This film is lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. The system removes the threat of anyone exercising their independent will. Divergents threaten that system. It won't be safe until they're removed. It's Divergent, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. It is the first main episode of our 2023 summer series it is divergent if you're new here if you're a divergent fan and you're joining us for the first time welcome i don't know if we'll have a ton of those people but we might have some (laughs) we always i think get you know some people who yeah stumble across us when we cover i I think the summer series is probably uh when we get the most like influx of new listeners if i had to guess i agree i think that is uh probably when we get the most new people uh i will warn you ahead of time (laughs) (laughs) we uh we had both never read this before well we'll get into it maybe a little bit katie you had read a little bit of this maybe Mm -hmm. before uh, at least some of it Uh, i had never read it never seen the movies nothing we're going in blind and just in case you're a huge fan and you're 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 hoping you're coming here for us to gush about this series uh, warn you that that might not be exactly what happens I don't want to spoil our feelings on the whole series, but it's just not going to be a love fest is all I'm going to say. So if that's not, you know. Yeah. If if, if it is your favorite thing yes. and you're hoping that it's our favorite thing, yes. I will maybe temper your expectations. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to say at the beginning, just in case, uh, you know, somebody comes in like, oh, my goodness. this is the, uh, And then, yeah, we're yeah, we're going to have some criticisms uh, and maybe more criticisms than compliments, but it's not all negative. Uh, we'll we'll have a lot to discuss. It should be a fun discussion, and even if you it is your favorite thing, uh, just you know, try to take it in the in in light of the fact that we're we're trying to analyze it, discuss it, uh, and kind of view it from an outsider's perspective, uh, you know, and just kind of see what we think of it. So yeah, that's again, <laughs> just a little bit of a preface for for if there are any super divergent fans joining us. Uh, go check out our other episodes. There's lots of stuff we do love. Uh, usually we love most of the stuff we cover or enjoy most of the stuff we cover. Uh, so yeah, it's we're not we're not we're not a hating podcast, <laughs> but in this particular instance, again, we'll get into it when we get to the episode or when we get to the all the content. If you have not seen or read Divergent, uh, we're going to give you a little bit of a summary. Uh, again, this is going to have spoilers. It's not going to cover every single story detail, but it will cover a lot of the main things in the first book and the first movie. Uh, so yeah, let's get into that in Let Me Sum Up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. So I sourced most of this from Wikipedia, but then I made my own editorial elements here and there, but this is largely uh, sort of copied from Wikipedia, just citing that source. In post-apocalyptic Chicago, survivors are divided into five factions. Abnegation, the selfless, Amity, the peaceful, Candor, the honest, Dauntless, the brave, and Erudite, the intelligent. 
All 16-year-olds are tested to determine the faction that best suits them, and they select their own faction at the choosing ceremony. Those who do not complete initiation become factionless and live on the streets as outcasts. The day 16-year-old Beatrice Pryor must choose her faction approaches, but first she must take an aptitude test to help guide her decision. Her test results come back inconclusive, which in the world of our story means that she is divergent. Her test administrator, a member of Dauntless named Tori, tells her she must never tell anyone that she is divergent and marks her result down as abnegation, but on choosing day, Beatrice decides to leave her family in abnegation and join Dauntless. Her brother Caleb also leaves the family by choosing Erudite. Beatrice embarks on the brutal Dauntless initiation, which includes jumping off of moving trains, jumping off of buildings, lots of jumping off of things, violent hand-to-hand -hand combat, weapon training, and more, all in the hopes of being the top-ranking Dauntless initiate, as only a certain number of initiates are allowed into Dauntless and the rest are cast out as factionless. She meets Four, one of her trainers and a very talented Dauntless member, develops a crush on him and makes friends with some of her fellow Dauntless initiates, including Christina, Al, and Will, while forming rivalries with others, including Peter, Drew, and Molly. Meanwhile, Erudite stirs dissent against the city's abnegation leadership, claiming that they are hoarding resources under the pretense of giving them to the factionless. During the second stage of initiation uh, in Dauntless, the recruits must face hallucinations based on their deepest fears. Triss's divergent abilities give her an advantage during this stage and earn her top spot in the rankings. As the initiates progress through training, the more bloodthirsty Dauntless recruits resort to cruel tactics. Uh, Peter stabs Edward, uh, who was the number one ranking initiate at one point, in the eye while he's sleeping and beats Triss within an inch of her life in the fighting ring, and Al, once a good friend of Triss, ends up helping Peter and Drew try to kill Triss in order to help their place in the rankings. Four rescues her and Al and, uh, Four rescues her and Al, after Triss refuses his apology, leaps into the chasm in the Dauntless HQ, killing himself. In the final stage of initiation, the recruits must navigate a fear landscape to test their skills. Over the course of training for their final test, Triss and Four grow closer, eventually becoming, becoming a couple after Triss discovers that his name Four comes from the four fears in his fear landscape and that his real name is Tobias. That's not why they become a couple, it just happens after. The way I wrote that sounds like <laughs> the reason they became a couple <laughs> is because that's not why. That his real name is Tobias and that he's Marcus's son who and Marcus is the leader of abnegation. Triss conquers her fear landscape and is inducted into Dauntless. During induction, she and the rest of the initiates receive a tracking serum injection, but it turns out the serum was actually a simulation serum that turns the Dauntless into hypnotized soldiers under the control of Janine, who is the leader of the Erudite and I believe their representative in government, uh, under the control of Janine and the Erudite, with the goal to use this zombie Dauntless army to depose and kill the abnegation leadership. Triss and Tobias's divergent abilities make them immune to the serum, and they attempt to save Triss's family but are captured by the erudite. Tobias receives an injection of a new serum designed to work on divergent and falls in line with the rest of Dauntless uh, as a, a drone for the erudite. Triss is rescued from her execution by her mother, who is revealed to have been raised as Dauntless, but is also divergent and is quite handy with a gun. Her mom gets killed in the escape, though. Triss reunites with her father and brother, and the three of them, along with Marcus, break into Dauntless HQ to shut down the simulation controlling the Dauntless soldiers. Triss's dad goes out in a blaze of glory, uh, and Triss faces off with a brainwashed Tobias. Uh, who is for whom she is able to deprogram by surrendering and pleading with him. They shut down the erudite simulation, free the dauntless and escape on a train with the abnegation survivors and a hard drive containing the simulation that they were using to control everybody. 
just a, another note for people who aren't really familiar with this we will probably bounce back and forth between calling one character tobias and four he, he uses yeah. both names his his nickname is four that's his chosen name in dauntless which all the people can kind of like choose their own new name when they join dauntless uh, but his his birth name is Tobias, and eventually he starts going by Tobias towards the end of the book. So if we go back and forth between four and Tobias, that's who we're talking about. I think everybody else pretty much uses the same name the whole it time. It seems like it. Beatrice yeah. is Triss. It's just, you know, it's pretty straightforward. So there you go. Okay. So if you have not joined us for our summer series before, uh, we do things a little bit different. We don't do our was that in the book segment because for these, we both read and watch. Normally, if you're new here, we one of us will read the book uh, and not or sorry, one of us will read the book and the other one won't. And then we will both watch the movie. And then the person who didn't read the book will ask questions and kind of try to figure out what was in the book, what wasn't. And just kind of pry apart the film uh, and the book a little bit and see what was changed, how the adaptation worked and all that sort of thing. In these big series, uh, because we both like to read them. We end up doing it a little bit different. We skip was that in the book and lost an adaptation and just do our, our other segments, which are better in the book, better in the movie. The movie nailed it. And then some other kind of assorted stuff at the end, which we'll get to, including uh, uh, which we've started doing lately in our summer series, which is trying to predict the series that we're reading, especially when it's series we have not read before or not, especially when it is. series. <laughs> we wouldn't do that with a series we've read before. Um, so that will happen later. We'll have a Brian and Katie predicted the divergent series segment towards the end, as well as some odds and ends. And then our final verdict at the very end, where we choose whether we thought the book or the movie was better, but we're going to start at the beginning and talk about all the things that we thought were better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Okay, so right off the bat, the movie starts with a voiceover from Triss uh, explaining the faction system and, like, some world-building elements yeah. for this story. And while I think it makes perfect sense for the movie to do this, and I don't even necessarily mind it, I think that you pretty much can't front load all of that stuff without it feeling clunky and ham fisted. That's fair. Uh, I have a note a little bit in the next segment. I had parts of this in better in the movie, kind of the, the exposition at the beginning. But you're not wrong that it definitely does. It feels a little clunky and exposition heavy. Right yeah. at the top, which it's whatever. I, I it doesn't bother me. I'm but I can see what you're saying for sure. Uh so as we're introduced to all the characters and kind of jump ahead, and also just if you've never listened to one of these segments, it's gonna be a little confusing because the way we do this is we're gonna go through a lot of the events in the book kind of in order that they happened in the book slash movie. And then when we get to better in the movie, we will kind of start back at the beginning and talk about all the things that we thought were better in the movie, kind of in order from beginning to end. Mm -hmm. It's the easiest way we found to done it to do it. Otherwise, it gets really confusing. It's hard. It's still difficult already, but this is the best way we figured out how to do it. So anyways, we're start at the beginning, go through and it'll you'll, you'll see you'll, it'll all make sense. But we jump. But so we will skip things, I guess, is my point. We're not going to touch on everything that happens in the in the movie slash book in better in the book. Mm -hmm. There will be things we skip that we end up talking about in better in the movie and stuff like that. So uh, we jump ahead and we're introduced to in the film. We're introduced to the dauntless faction and uh, we're introduced to them pretty early, but the first time we see them like kind of for real is when they're arriving at the choosing ceremony in the film mm -hmm. and they, they all ride trains around and the trains don't stop, which is another note, a question I had. It's like, are these, I guess they're automatic trains. There's no drivers. 
We don't ever yeah. see drivers. We don't ever they see seem drivers. To be, they're never I mentioned. I mean, it's it's they're in Chicago, so it's like um, it's the old it's, yeah, it's the L and yeah, stuff. it's like, the it's L the, system. Uh, but but I guess the trains have been upgraded to be somehow automatic. They yeah. like they kind of just drive around constantly twenty four seven. Yeah, they're just forever trains. Doesn't seem like there's drivers in them, unless that's mentioned in a later book or something. And this is one that they're never mentioned, and we don't see them or anything like that. But so the trains don't stop. They just kind of vaguely slow down when they get to like stations and the Dauntless just like jump off and jump on because they're so cool. They don't yeah. care about they don't need the train. They're, to stop. they're so edgy. Yeah. And, cool. and it's already a little kind of, you know, try hard and cheesy in the book when you read it. But in the film, it is so mm. goofy. And mm. in particular that like they just run and they're whooping and they're like, Woo! And they're like jumping off the train and rolling down the hill. And it just, again, it feels better reading it. And so I'm going to call it better in the book because in the movie, I couldn't help but just kind of roll my eyes and laugh every time the Dauntless were like doing their <laughs> Dauntless thing. Yeah, it does not hit no. in the movie. Uh, at least when you read it, you can kind of put your own like imaginative spin yes. on what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but seeing it was it was like really everybody thinks they're the coolest. Yeah, right. They look like dorks. <laughs> they, they like, do. Yeah, they just look like dorks, and it's yeah. Yeah, and the the Dauntless music cue. Yes, which only plays at the beginning. I no, think no, it plays a couple other times, but Doesn't not it? a ton. Not a ton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But there's like the Dauntless music cue does not help. No, it's really cheesy. Uh, I had the same note. The music doesn't help at all. It's kind of this just like drums. I know what they're going for. Yeah. Which I thought a lot of times in this movie with the music, I the music in this movie, none of it worked <laughs> for me. Almost, almost none of it. Uh, a couple other notes specifically we'll get to later, but I could see what they're going for. They're going for kind of this like tribal pulsing, like there's drums and it's supposed to be like ah, mm -hmm. like really cool and like driving and stuff. But it just comes across again with all the whooping and the running, and then again it, combine that with like kind of okay cg like compositing because there's like <laughs> they're jumping off the train and you can tell there's like a green screen kind of yeah. thing going all of that combined just makes it look very dumb mm -hmm. <laughs> and kind of cheesy mm -hmm. in a way that did not work for me uh and again it, it wasn't even amazing in the book but it again you can kind of do whatever you want with it in your head in a way that that helps it feel a little bit better yeah. the, the dawnless music cue uh was going around on tiktok for a while oh, yeah. not too long ago uh, I had no idea what it was from yeah. when I encountered it on TikTok, but uh, now I do. There you go. So uh, I may have said we were going to the cho choosing ceremony. I think actually think we're doing the aptitude test at this point. But uh, she goes to the aptitude test. And uh, this is another thing I had is that the movie cuts down the aptitude test a bunch. And I don't dis I, I think that's fine. They could cut some stuff. But basically all they show in this aptitude test, which is kind of what allows you to figure out what faction you should be in. It's basically like doing like a. It's like a personality a test. A video game personality yeah. test or something. Um, but it cuts down everything basically other than the dog part of the test, which is in the mm -hmm. book. And again, I don't I don't mind it except the I don't understand how when you cut all that other stuff out, how you figure out how you rule out the other factions <laughs> if you don't have the other portions of the test. Because the dog test was like something to do it it, it the dog test only focused on like two of the factions, I believe like that portion of it in the book. There's because yeah. different portions of the test kind of determine whether or not you're part, you should be part of a certain faction or not. 
And in the dog test, if you take the knife and like kill the dog, then you're dauntless. And if you get the meat and you feed it, I think you're abnegation or something like that. And she does neither. And I think that that in the book that like confuses the test and like, oh, I don't know, that's weird. But then the other stuff, I don't know how you, with just the dog portion, she gets put into erudite as well, because the whole thing is she ends up like fitting into three different um, right. factions. She fits into abnegation, dauntless and erudite. And I don't know what portion of the test in the movie we saw would have been erudite. <laughs> I guess is my uh, question. Because <laughs> in the know. book, there's a, there's other parts where she like, there's a part where she has to decide whether or not to lie to some like cop or something like that or lie to somebody. Yeah. And then there's another part. There, so there's other parts of it that that kind of figure out the other the other factions. And the movie doesn't do that. So I don't get it. But <laughs> whatever. I, that's just a, a little detail that I did not understand how. <laughs> how cutting that down worked but whatever uh, one thing that i did like about the aptitude test in the movie was the transition into it mm, like yeah. after she she drinks the little uh shot glass of of simulation serum yeah. um and then she lays back in the chair and she's just like it's a very smooth like immediate transition mm -hmm. into the simulation um and i thought uh, like it did the movie did this thing where she's almost like in a mirrored room yeah um and she can see like herself reflected uh, hundreds of times yeah uh, and i thought that was a really interesting like thematic visual yeah yeah of the different facets of her personality and mm -hmm. trying to like figure out who the real her is and all sorts of stuff i liked that part of it which is not in the book yeah um, so i did like that portion of it i just again my, my only problem with the this test scene was that i was like I, I don't know how you figure out the erudite part i don't see where that comes in but yeah i liked the rest of it for sure i i did really like that it reminded me of the scene in the last jedi when mm -hmm. uh ray goes into the thing under the thing and sees that all the reflections of herself and she like snaps and they all mm -hmm. it was very similar to that after at the choosing ceremony uh the the all of the the kids make their choice for what faction they want to join and uh, but Caleb chooses Erudite. He goes right before Beatrice. Caleb's her brother. He chooses Erudite and leaves Abnegation. Her parents are very upset about this. And then Tris goes up to Beatrice at this point, goes up there, and she chooses, and she's thinking about Abnegation, but at the last second, she kind of switches and decides to go with Dauntless. Uh, and then she kind of gets rushed off with all the rest of the initiates to go. They immediately like rush off yeah. to join their faction. They're going to go whoop and run and jump yeah. on the train. And in the movie, we get a quick shot of her parents uh, as she's like ushering out of the being ushered out of the room. And they both look very upset. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a small detail in the book that I really liked because it sets up. It's a, it's a little character hint for the future is that in the book, she notes as she looks back at her parents that her dad looks really upset but her mom has like a slight smile on her face. She doesn't, she seems, she's like smiling kind of. Yeah. And again, I, the movie does not do that. And I thought that was really strange. At least to me, when I looked at her mom, because I was looking out for this detail and I looked at her mom very specifically and she looked like she was in pain, like grimacing or something. <laughs> and she did not look like she was smiling or giving like a smirk or anything. Uh, and so I, th I, I like the subtle hint at her mom's origins, which again, we'll find this out later, what her whole deal is. And I, I don't know why the movie did not include that. I thought that was very, a uh, very dumb decision. <laughs> no, I agree. Um, okay, so the next thing that I wanted to talk about was something that we both had kind of throughout our notes. So I kind of, I just lumped everything here, yeah. like all of our thoughts that we had on this specific thing. But the depiction of the Dauntless faction in the movie was a way like 
friendlier yes. than it is in the book. Everything, not and not only just the Dauntless, but everything, but specifically Dauntless, yeah, because uh, that's where we spend most of our time, is way toned down from mm-hmm. how it is depicted in the book. And a lot of it is, uh, I think, ratings. Uh, like yes. r- a lot yeah. of it's related to the fact that this is a PG-13 movie, but that's not all of it. No. Well, because one of the first... Um, kind of moments that where we see what Triss is really in for by yeah. switching to Dauntless is when they're initially boarding the train. Yeah, like getting on yeah. the train to go to their HQ. And then there's her and there's like a handful of other uh kids who are transferring first, in yeah, from other factions. Transfers, yeah. And one of the first things we see happen is that one of them cannot run fast enough yeah. to jump on the train. He doesn't catch up and he like, yeah, trips or something. And, yeah. and so he gets left behind the, uh, by the train and they're like, yeah. well, what, what happens to him? And the Dauntless are like, oh, he's factionless He's factionless now. now. Yeah. If you don't get on the train, the, yeah. then you're, you're not, out. You're out. Yeah. And the movie skips that entirely. I had that yeah. same note. Um, and then another thing right after that that happens is when they arrive at the at the Dauntless like base, the Dauntless HQ, they have to jump off the train onto the top of this building. Mm-hmm. It like rolls past like there's this tall building uh, that their HQ is located in and they all jump off. And in that moment in the in the book, one of the kids doesn't make the jump and falls like 10 stories yeah. and just dies. Yeah, and it just goes the, splat on the sidewalk. Splats on the sidewalk and dies. The movie also cuts that part out. And I had the same note that I, I was not a fan of cutting that stuff. Because, again, I think that adds a lot to kind of the world that we're setting up here. But I think what the movie is trying to do is they're trying to give a, sl- a bit more of a, like, slow build to the cruelty of Dauntless. They want it to be exciting for her at first and then build to the moment where the rug gets pulled out from under her and she realizes how messed up this all is. Yeah. I think is what they're doing. Um, because then like we also get the moment in the movie where they after they get there and they have like the big banquet and everything, they like carry them all around on Yeah, their... they would like crowd surf yeah. all the new kids. And that is not in the book. No. And it's and it, again, I think it's just trying to like it's it's they decided to go with this idea of like you're really excited about this new thing. Yeah. And then it ends up not being what you expected. And the book does that too. It just does it immediately. And the movie decided to drag that out by mm-hmm. not having us immediately realize how <laughs> terrible this all is by having one kid just immediately become factionless and then another kid die like five minutes later and being like, oh, okay, this is messed up. I, I see the merits in both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't really have a strong opinion either way but i do i do think i prefer the book's version yeah i i I agree i think the more immediate rug pull in the book is just a little bit more interesting to me but i do get what the movie is going for and trying to do yeah and then the other big thing for me just in general is that the movie isn't nearly brutal enough, period. Uh, um, A lot of this, and I have some more notes about this later, but the people, like, in the fights and stuff, there's just, it's all very, like, there's no blood, obviously, and again, Mm -hmm. some of this is related to the rating of being PG-13, but when they get in the fights, they just kind of punch each other a little bit, and then the fights end. And even in, like, the the worst fights, like, where where Triss gets knocked out by Peter, that is way more brutal in the book and the, and the movie just kind of like he punches her a few times and then knocks her out. And it's just, 
it doesn't feel as visceral. And this is a similar note we had about Hunger Games first movie adaptation. It just kind of undercuts, I think, some of what the book is trying to do. Uh, and and it's again, I think for a couple different reasons, but the primary one being like the rating of right. it being a PG. Well, and I, part of the reason that it ends up feeling silly though is that the movie tries to still treat it like it's yes. incredibly brutal. Yes, like the the fight that Tris gets in with Peter. In both the book and the movie, he ends up, like, putting her in the hospital wing. Yeah, yeah. And in the book, it's described as, like, her like her whole face is swollen up she's, and, like, she her eyes swollen ribs shut. Ribs broken. Yeah, she's, like, yeah. her mouth is cut open. Yeah. And then in the movie, she's in the hospital and her friends go to see her and they're like, oh, you look awful. Yeah. And then and we get she, the reverse shot of her face. And you're like, wait, like, what? She has like a very mild black like, eye. Yes. And a very small split lip. And that's yeah. it. And it's and it's just, again, yeah, it's like, well, uh, what? Why would you keep that line in? Because she yeah. doesn't look She doesn't awful. look that bad. I mean, yeah, she looks, she got, she got, you know, she has a black eye, but it is not, again, because I think that line does come from the book. Like, you look terrible. I think mm-hmm. Christina says that to her. But in the book, you actually believe it because you you read what just happened to her. Yeah. <laughs> she got absolutely, the shit absolutely beaten out of her, uh, which is just, again, not really what happens in the movie. So it just doesn't quite work. I was not a huge fan of the movie's version of the pit, which is like the main social area that the Dauntless hang out in in their HQ. Uh, in the movie, it looks like kind of an old like limestone quarry or something. Mm-hmm. It's not terrible, um, but in the in the book, the way it was described, I imagined this like wild, dark cave system with like torches and like I just imagined it darker and and more wild and people running around everywhere. And this, it's like one kind of like white room. Yeah, I definitely sunlit. did not picture it white and as like white and bright as yeah. it was. And everybody just kind of standing in the middle, like doing a drum circle. And I was just like, this is not <laughs> this is not what I was envisioning. I was yeah. envisioning like this crazy, like wild boys, like uh-huh. I don't know. It just didn't do a lot for me. I I I agree with you, but I, I did appreciate seeing it in the movie because overall I had kind of a hard time visualing visualizing. The Dauntless headquarters, like okay. based on the description that we got, like there were parts of it that I could visualize yeah. better than others. But like other things, I was like, I'm not really sure what I'm meant to be imagining here. No, that's fair. I, I think that is there is a failing of that in the book quite often of just some of the the visual um, language used doesn't necessarily evoke the strongest yeah. <laughs> like visual uh, imagery as you're reading at different times. But this one, yeah, I, I just, I, I was imagining a kind of like a little bit similar to like maybe some of the like caverns and like <laughs> weird reference, but in like the second matrix movie, I think it is maybe the third one. I don't know. There's one where they have an orgy in a cave and I was imagining that basically <laughs> when I was reading about the pit, but yeah, it, uh, Movie's version didn't do a lot for me. Uh, I also thought that the, the... So then we move forward. Triss gets some tattoos, mm-hmm. which is a thing all the Dauntless get. They get they tattoos. They get tattoos and they get piercings because they're so cool. They're so cool and edgy. <laughs> it's... <laughs> it's it, I, can, I can believe this book was written by a college-aged Christian yes. person. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Uh, but the... Uh, yeah, the, they get tattoos and... Which, whatever, that's cool. But, like, the in the movie, when we see Triss go get her tattoo, she goes to the tattoo shop. And the tattoo shop kind of looks like what I imagined. It's like this 
Yeah, it looks like a kind dark, of dark, grungy, grungy, like, grimy, like post punk club thing. Yeah, it looks cool. But I was like, oh, yeah, this is fine. But then she gets the tattoo and the tattoo artist uh, whose name is Tori. She was also the same woman who administered the aptitude test earlier. We'll talk about her a little bit later. But uh, she's giving her the tattoo and we see her doing it. And she just puts like a a patch almost looks like a band-aid or something mm-hmm. on because Tris gets these like three crows or ravens I think they're ravens. ravens tattooed on like her collarbone basically and we see uh tori the tattoo artist put these and i say tattoo artist i don't know what they're even doing at this point but yeah she puts this like bandage on her collarbone that has like a little cable coming out of it and then she has like a little device or whatever that she hits a button and tris is and they're just sitting there talking while i assume it's doing the tattoo and it just seems like completely not the point of what the tattoos are in the yeah. book. Yeah. Like the whole point of the them getting tattoos in the book feels like it's like the process and the pain of it. And like, it's like, they're right. supposed to be like, yeah. Like it's like proving their toughness. Yeah. Like, Oh, go get, you go get a tattoo yeah. and a piercing. Yeah. yeah. And, and it should be like gnarly old, like tattoo guns. Yeah. That, it, they should have just, and used, I mean, like, to be fair, the process is not described in the book. And I think I know why, yes. which I'll get to in a second. Yes. The process is not described. And I saw, understand what they were doing. They're like future. It's like, they have yeah. all this crazy tech again, which is another thing we'll talk about at some point. They have all this crazy tech. Let's come up with a cool way to get the tattoo. And it's like, but okay, if you wanted to make it futury, you should have at least what you should have done then is make it some sort of like laser etching yeah, thing yeah, where, yeah, yeah. where she's like using like a laser thing that's like drawing on her and you see like here like the skin like like sizzling mm-hmm. or something. Like a little bit of smoke. Yeah, or something. and smoke and stuff like that. And and you see because that's the other thing is that in this moment, Shailene Woodley is not reacting at all to no. it. <laughs> and again, Tattoos in real life don't hurt that bad. Like they're no, not they depending don't. on what, where, and what, all kinds of different factors. If you've never gotten a tattoo, they don't hurt that bad. You can happily carry on a perfectly fine conversation during a <laughs> tattoo. Um, but it's still the idea. Like again, it's just like it's not even. Well, and her know. first tattoo yeah. too, and, and she's on her not. She's, yes, and that she's feels not like reacting <laughs> at all. Yeah, <laughs> to getting this tattoo. Not at all. And then the other thing. When they and so in the book, um, and I guess they get them at a, around the same time in the movie. I don't really remember, um, but in the book, they go get these tattoos. So they find out that they're gonna start like combat training, and or I guess maybe it's like day one of combat training. So they know that they're gonna be in the ring every day fighting until one of them passes out, fighting until they're bloody and bruised and can't move yeah. every day. Well, they don't know about that part, but yes, they know they're going to be fighting. They don't and know then they they're like, let's go get tattoos. That's a really bad idea. Yeah. That is a bad idea. But that fits in with Dauntless. That I don't, I don't mind that at all. That's, that's the kind of dumb decision that a Dauntless person should make. But they should not care. Here's <laughs> the thing though. I'm going to go ahead and conjecture here and say that Veronica Roth does not have any tattoos. Or at least at the time of writing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and probably still, and but who knows? Pre- and didn't bother considering the aspects of getting one? No. Didn't didn't look into that at all? Think didn't so. think about it? No. And the fact, the fact that it's not described at all in the book, like the feeling yeah. of getting it yeah. as well, like especially it being the first time. Yeah. And it's so wildly out of like her comfort zone and where she came from like 
Because I know exactly how I would describe mm-hmm. getting a tattoo for the first time yeah. in a book. Because it didn't feel anything like I was expecting no. it to feel like. I thought it was going to feel like a little pokey, like stabby. Mm-mm. It doesn't. No. It feels more like scraping. Yeah. But it's, it's just, it's not <laughs> it's not described at all. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I agree. I, the cold thing is clearly like the idea, like yeah. the, she liked the idea of it, didn't really look into like logistics around it at all and then the movie just took it a step further and made it completely pointless because at least yeah. in the book the idea of it kind of makes sense like these again these like super you know tough right. cool guys like you know like bikers getting tattoos yeah. whatever like you get the idea of what she's going for and then the book just makes it this like very sanitized like painless thing and it just feels like right. what's the point i don't and honestly i don't know enough about the rating system can they show them getting a tattoo? Surely they can. I mean, maybe not. I guess it's possible that that is a ratings thing, and they, that was their workaround. Yeah, but that seems it's not. Unlikely. I mean, it's not super bloody. No, like, like, and even, like even no, a little bit of blood, but not enough. No, no. there's no way. I, again, there could be some weird specific rule, but I I highly doubt that. I think it was just they were like future tattoo, and then came up with the worst <laughs> version of that they could think of. Unfortunately. Uh, so then we get to the fighting ring, as you mentioned, and one of the first earliest fights we see is uh, Christina fighting uh, somebody. I don't remember. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's it not really important. Not really matter. But she's fighting. Christina is one of Triss's like closest friends uh, in Dauntless that she kind of first meets. And Christina gets her her ass kicked um, by this whoever she's fighting. And we see this in the movie. She does lose and she gives up. And it might even be Molly. It's one of the, I yeah. think it's one of yeah, the so she, Yeah, she like tries to tap out. She basically taps out and they explained it in, in both the book and the movie that the, the new rules are that you don't give up. You just, you fight until somebody is like unconscious basically. Uh, but she gives up, she taps out and then Eric is like, all right, come on. And they he takes them all out to the chasm and he makes her hang off the railing over the chasm uh, which are slightly different. I actually prefer the book's version of the chasm. I had a note about this earlier, but this, I, I, the, in the movie, it's just like a giant, seemingly giant pit, like mm-hmm. a giant, endlessly very deep hole in the ground. Whereas in the book, it's described as like a river, like an underground yeah. river that is like incredibly strong. The currents are really strong and it's like roars and it's just like super intense. And and so it's not so much like fall the fall. It's that you literally will just drown because you right. The water is so rapid. The rapids are so intense. You just if you fall in, you'll just drown and or get banged against the rocks and you just won't survive. And he's she's so she hangs over this bridge over the chasm and he makes her hang there um for like five minutes in the book. But in the movie, it's like <laughs> it's like maybe 30 seconds, maybe 30 seconds. And <laughs> Uh, this is another one of the same moments where in the in the movie she just she's kind of beat up a little bit, but she just hangs there and then she f- seems fine and then gets and, back yeah, up and then like it's done. pretty quickly and it's done. In the book, she's like dripping blood. Her hands are covered in blood. She's like completely saturated in blood because she just got the complete shit kicked out of her. And so she's like slipping on the railing because the blood is and the movie tries to do this a little bit by showing water dripping from like the ceiling. And I think that's supposed to be hitting her hands and making it hard to hold on. But in the book, it's literally her blood that is making it hard to hold on. And again, I understand it's PG-13, whatever. Um, So that was already annoying. And then my other note that drove me crazy is in the and I understand why they do this, but I don't like it, is that in the in the movie. Triss is like, come on, Christina, you can do it. But in the book, Triss doesn't say anything because she's 
not brave enough to at this point. Mm -hmm. She like we're in her head and hearing her be like, I should I should help her. I should do something. I should say something. And she doesn't. But Al does. Who's this other initiate? He's the one who's like, come on, Christina, you can do it. And then once he starts encouraging her, then Trist joins in and and is it kind of follows on with that. And I really liked that moment again. Of, yeah. of, of it's Trist a nice not little character being, moment. Yeah. For both of them. for both of them. Uh, and again, the movie just doesn't care about Al, which we'll get to. But mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I thought I hated I hated that. <laughs> <laughs> the timing thing, like really boggled my mind too because they could have done that so easily by showing a couple shots of like a stopwatch or a watch or something yeah, yeah. like to to show imply time passing yeah. without needing and to wait a full and then, five and then, minutes and then you can also cut to a really wide shot for a yeah. second for like and show the whole and i think they do a little bit but cut to like cut around to a different couple angles show a stopwatch a couple times like you said yeah and you don't have to show the whole five minutes of her hanging there obviously <laughs> you can you can make a movie it is a movie uh, you can use the language of cinema to do that what but yeah and then uh, there's another little detail. That, and again, because the movie doesn't care about Al, which, again, well, I have mixed feelings on. We'll get to it. There's this moment at the end where, that I really loved and made me really like Al, which is that as she's hanging there and the time is up, they're like time. And Eric's like, all right, you can come back up. And in the movie, I think Eric helps her up or she climbs up or maybe somebody else remember. comes and helps her up. I don't remember. Somebody else might rush in and help her up. But in the in the book, I think they rush in to like haul her up and mm -hmm. eric says no she has to do it by herself and i love al turns to him and goes no she doesn't and pulls her up and i and i was like i like Al a lot i like i <laughs> and, and and eric doesn't respond he's like because yeah i like the it's a little moment but i liked the characters figuring out the rules of this world of like because this dauntless has this really weird thing where it's like they have to listen to the the leaders or else they can do like punish them and stuff, but they also don't. They also can push it some because that's the whole point of being right. Because they value like the rebelliousness, bold, brave, of rebelliousness, all. Yeah. all sort of stuff. And I like this moment where Al says, "No, she doesn't," and Eric doesn't like do anything. He just yeah. like whatever and walks away and lets them haul her up. I thought that was a really nice moment, not only for Al but also for kind of the world building a little bit. And the movie just doesn't include it at all. So uh, whatever. Again, we'll talk more about Al in a minute. I said, I don't like the chasm in the movie, but I did. This is a better in the movie note that I had. I did like, this is the first time we see it in the movie. Mm -hmm. And I liked this introduction of having this be the moment. Yeah. Yes. That's very dramatic. Yeah. It's very dramatic where they walk across the bridge yeah. and all of a sudden she's hanging over this giant death chasm. And I thought that was cool. Again, in the book, they kind of just mention it as they're giving them a tour of the place or whatever, which is fine. But I liked the more dramatic reveal in the movie um, there move forward a little bit they go and they visit uh the wall or the fence mm -hmm. i believe they call it uh which is one of the things that the dauntless do is they guard the fence there's a big perimeter fence around chicago that keeps out something, something. and they joke about in both the book and the movie like what is it keeping out and they're like monsters oh, mm -hmm. whatever but they get there and they're kind of like showing them like this could be one of your jobs they're basically the the night's watch or the black watch or whatever mm -hmm. <laughs> like they, they have the man the wall um, and so they're kind of showing them this could be one of your jobs. And so they're like showing them the, the fence and in both the book and the movie. And in <laughs> in in the book, there's a little detail that when they're at the fence, as they're wondering, like, what is this fence here for? What is it keeping out? Because they don't really know. It's never been explained to anybody. Apparently, Tris notes that she that the lock on the fence 
that the fence locks on the outside. Yes. Not on the inside. Yes. And she thinks that's very peculiar because if it was yeah, keeping it, something out. It is out, really strange. Yes, it is. If it was keeping something out, why would you have the lock on the outside and not on the inside of the fence? The movie does not include this at all. I thought this was going to be a very important point either in this, in this book or a future book. And now the fact that the movie did not include this at all made me wonder if it's literally not relevant at all. That also concerns me. <laughs> because the movie does not include this at yeah. all, or at least in, in, in maybe it's a deleted scene or something. And they're like, maybe maybe the movie thought we can, if we need to, we'll introduce that in the next one. I don't know. Yeah, Who knows? Maybe. But it could have been a very easy moment to add. And I really liked it in the book because it set this yeah it's Tension. interesting it's like, it's, it's mysterious yeah. and they were literally they're, they're literally just talking about like what is what does the fence even keep out yeah nobody knows yeah and then we notice the lock oh it's on the outside not yeah. the inside like it's interesting yeah it's it builds mystery and the movie just doesn't include it so again either they're going to introduce that later or, or it, it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter and the movie knew it didn't matter and i'm worried that the that that's what is true <laughs> we'll see who knows uh also when they're at the the fence they they she runs into robert which is one of her old abnegation friends i believe mm -hmm. who joined amity yeah uh, who is like the farming sect the farming faction and they live uh, or at least most of their farms are outside of the fence and they just like farm mm -hmm. and hang out but he's like talking to she's talking to him for a minute and uh, I, the movie does not include this at all, but I really liked, he just seems really happy. He's like, yeah, I'm just farming. He hops on the truck that they were all farming on, and there's somebody like playing banjo, and he drives into the sunset. I'm like, why would anyone not choose it's, Amity? Amity is the clear choice. It is the clear choice. It's, it's not even the, close. It's the it's, Hobbit faction. It's literally, I don't know why anybody would, I mean, I know some people are just different or whatever, but I would be amazed if like 75% of people, why like most people would not choose Amity. They just like hang out and farm and they seem very happy. Yes. <laughs> it's so weird why you would choose anything else. <sighs> uh, we mentioned this earlier, but Tris does fight Peter. And again, the movie just sanitizes everything. Mm -hmm. The stakes are so much lower because when she, she he beats her up, he punches her and stuff a little bit. And then but then at the end, he just like knocks her down on the ground. And then like we see his foot come at the camera and he knocks her out. But in the book, the description of what she's just getting the absolute shit kicked yeah, out of her. Yeah, he just, like, point, keeps going. To the point where she's, like, almost dying. Uh, and the movie's just like, oh, she got knocked out. And again, yeah. it just, it to me, it just really cuts the stakes out from under, like, it, it just removes, like, the, the drama of, like, how intense and brutal this all is when it just seems like, oh, she got knocked out and now she has a little black eye. Okay. Right. Uh, what, now, I will say one thing that I did like in the movie about this scene is that she holds her own against Peter for a little yeah, bit longer. I was fine with that. At the beginning of the fight. Like, in the book, she tries to kick him, and he blocks it, and, yeah. like, basically just has the upper hand yeah. from there on out. Um, and whereas in the movie, we see her, like, hold her own a little bit more yeah. um, until he gets the better of her. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mind either way because in the movie, this happens later in her training, I think, where she would right. be able to hold her own. Whereas in the book, I feel like this happens earlier where she just has no idea what she's doing. And so she just gets her ass kicked by this dude. Um, I, I'm fine with both, I think, because it in the book it kind of sets her on this progression to become a better fighter and stuff like that, and and to to she resolves not to get her ass kicked like that anymore. I think they both work in their own way, but I didn't, I did, I didn't, I did enjoy that mm -hmm. she kind of holds her own a little oh. bit. I mean, and, and the, the to be fair, the movie does truncate 
yeah. the training quite yes. a bit. And it moves. That's the other thing this movie does, which we're not really going to comment on this too much. The movie moves scenes around quite yes. a bit, which is pretty common in movies. But it does it does move where scenes happen around quite a bit. It's not a big deal. It doesn't really change a lot. It's yeah, just, it's, you know, sometimes we talk about that with adaptations when it is to the benefit or the detriment yeah, in this of instance, the story. And in this instance, I don't think it really made a difference either way. Yeah, it, yeah, that was my feelings, too, is like most of the stuff they moved. I'm like, yeah, that works fine there. I'm not yeah. saying I don't know if it works better there, but it doesn't work worse. there. fine. <laughs> I do have one note about a specific moment that I do think moving worked better. But other than that, I don't think it's a big deal. Um, so one of the things that the movie adds and I don't mind this scene in general, <laughs> but is that after she gets her ass kicked by Peter they're they, when they're talking to her in the hospital, they're like, you're out. They're like, yeah. you're done. And <laughs> I was so confused by this when we were watching yeah. the movie. I was like, what? Yeah. Cause that does not happen in the book. Happen in the book. <laughs> they're like, you're going home. And she's like, Oh, okay. And they're, they're like, well, we're going to do the war games. So sorry. Bye. Yeah. Cause they're all getting on the train to go uh, do the war game thing. And then it cuts to the train and we the train's leaving and everybody's on the train. And then we see her silhouette come running around the corner behind the train as the train's pulling away. And she's booking running, it. running, running. And I say booking it. That's one of my negatives is that she's not a good movie runner. She's yeah. no Tom Cruise. Like that's my, <laughs> I, I like Shailene Woodley in this a lot. I think she's really good. But she doesn't look great running. I don't know. She doesn't look like she's running very fast. I don't know. She's, yeah. The way she moves doesn't look like somebody sprinting. It looks like somebody kind of jog. Anyways, it doesn't really matter. Um, but she's running after the train. And it's like, oh, okay, fine. Like, I get what they're doing here in this moment. They're having her, like, they, they told her, no, you're out. And she's mm -hmm. like, screw that. I'm not out. I'm, yeah. I'm, it's her, it's I get her, to choose. It's her moment yes. of boldness. Yes. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Again, not in the book. I yeah, actually don't mind. I fine. think it's a fine addition. But in this moment, as he's chasing down the train, the music kicks in, and we both burst out laughing. It's so bad. I don't know if it this so this worked bad. better in 2014. I don't think it would have, because it. But it, whatever, whether it has aged poorly or it was just bad the whole time, the music is so cheesy. The the when it kick it, the the score is so cheesy. And I, we both were just dying laughing. And I was like, you know what, though? It does kind of fit because it sounds like bad worship music. It does. It, like, yeah. really reminded me of, like, bad Christian worship mm -hmm. music, uh, which some of the music throughout this movie does. And we'll talk. That's a whole thing we're going to get into. That's a whole thing. <laughs> we're going to get into the, the, Christian, the Christianity of it all uh, eventually here a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, it reminded me a lot of bad worship music because there's good worship music. Actually, we're watching Beef right now, a show on Netflix. A lot of the worship music in that has been really good. I thought I was like, I understand. Mm -hmm. Anyway, there's a whole different. But um, <laughs> but whatever. But this in particular remind me of like the worst worship music you ever heard. And I just it it was so cheesy and so bad. And we uh, it's terrible. It's like terrible. it's not a moment that you want your audience to just start laughing no. in the movie. It's supposed it's supposed to be like a serious yeah. uplifting like yeah. and you're like oh yeah she's gonna do it yeah look at her go and that's clearly what the music thinks it's doing yes but boy <laughs> it just i don't even know how to describe it other than just the cheesiest shit you've ever heard it just doesn't oh my god it's so bad um okay so they they go on the train to the war games and they're playing they're gonna play capture the flag um so they've divided into two teams and she's on a team with four um, he's like the team captain yeah. or whatever. 
And so she decides she's going to climb the Ferris wheel. Yeah. To to get a lay of the Navy land. Pier in Chicago. Yeah. And the the flags like glow. Yes. There's like a light yeah. coming from them. So she's going to climb the Ferris wheel so she can get a look around. And maybe see if she, maybe can... she can see where they're keeping the flag. See the flag or see yeah. them or see something. Which is else. totally fine in the book. Yeah. Because I, I forget even where they're keeping the flag. It's like in, in the, the end of the park. It's it's in, yeah. it's in Millennium Park at the, I think, well, because the Navy Pier, maybe Navy Pier doesn't hit, not Millennium Park, but it's in, I think Navy Pier butts up to like the park in Chicago, uh-huh. basically. And she sees it like in the trees. Yeah. In the park, yes. basically. She sees like a light down there. Right. She's like, ah, there it is. So it's, it's, the flag is in a place that you would have to go up yes. high to be able to see because it on from the ground a there's buildings there's all kinds of stuff yes. in the way that you wouldn't be able to see this flag but in the movie they yes. climb they oh climb God. the ferris wheel we bu- we're like what in the world <laughs> they climb the ferris wheel so that they can look out over the cityscape and see that the flag has been hidden at the top of a tall building yeah which you would like, absolutely have been able to see from the ground. You didn't need to climb it. You should have been able to see it. Why did we climb the Ferris wheel? It's so dumb. It's so stupid. It's so dumb. And the only thing I think is that they wanted them. And the reason they put it there in that tower was so that we could have the big moment at the end where they're standing in the tower waving the flag yeah. like triumphantly. And then they have to climb it. And it's like a more dramatic set piece for the final Right. Getting the flag. But again, it just ruins the whole point of her climbing the Ferris wheel because, yeah, it she climbs the Ferris wheel and it's like, well, you could have like, seen that from the ground. The building is as tall as the Ferris wheel is. Like, what is the... <laughs> They would again. The only way it makes any sense is if there somehow was some building in between the Ferris wheel and that building. But it doesn't look like there is. It doesn't seem like there is. It just doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It's it's so dumb. (laughs) There's also like there's a lot of cheesy lines. I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of cheesy lines. There's a lot of cheesy lines in the book too. But some of them, I I just like uh, when they're playing capture the flag and they're playing with these like stun guns kind of yes they're so in about the, that later yes we'll talk about that later but they are playing with like these, these they shoot darts basically yeah um and who has this exchange i think it's uh it is it is peter is talking to christina or yes it's peter yeah. is talking to christina uh and he has her yeah, at gunpoint he has her at gunpoint and he's like tell me if this hurts and then tris comes up behind him and is like you tell me and then shoots and him, shoots him. Yeah. i'm like okay yeah. It's not the worst uh, I was, in like, the scope of things, but I'm like, okay, yeah. all right, sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, a little thing that the movie dropped that I laughed at for like a million years uh-huh. um, was the moment where uh, she Tris realizes that she's gaining muscle when she goes to put on a pair of pants and she's too swole yeah, for her pants. They won't fit over they meaty won't, calves. They won't fit over her swole muscle-bound legs. Yeah. And I don't know why that was so funny to me. I don't me. know why it was either. Because, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I kind of chuckled when I read it, but it wasn't like a, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't get me like it got you. I, I don't know. I just think it was something about it being legs that really got me. Fair enough. A more serious thing that the movie drops uh, was the first time that uh, Peter and his little gang of miscreants. Peter, um, Drew, and Molly are the main yeah, three. Yeah. Um, 
so there's like two times that they assault Triss yeah. in the book. Um, and the first time is when she she's getting out of the shower yeah. and they like uh, accost her and like rip her towel, rip her towel off, off yeah. and um and then afterwards she like beats the shit out of Molly in the ring in like, the ring in the fighting ring yeah. yeah I I yeah I I um you you liked removing that scene I guess is your, your... no oh okay you're Where, sa- yeah you're saying yes. Uh, you, you liked the book. I guess you you liked that I, scene in the I book. I think that the movie did a good job, like because the movie still keeps the second assault scene. Yeah. I think the book does a better job of building up to that. Yes, I would agree with that. I also like that uh, she does beat the shit out of Molly in the fight ring, and I, it's another big thing I have with the movie is that they also not apart from just the violence and stuff, they also just just make all of the people way less mean and, mm-hmm. and terrible than they are in the, in the book, uh, in particular, like Molly and Peter and them. I have a note about this later with Peter and specifically, or in just a few minutes, but um, I get why her beating the shit out of Molly is not in the movie because it would seem kind of out of nowhere because one, that first scene that you're talking about here isn't in the yeah. in the movie where they they like take her towel and like chase and uh, her yeah and stuff. like Molly specifically we like is really it, yeah. really mocking her in this yes. scene in the book yeah and so I get why the movie would drop that because we don't really have the setup for it but also just because the characters in general like the the bully characters are not nearly as cruel as they are in the book no uh, and I but that being said I so I get why the movie drops it but I did like it in the book because it makes sense with the characters. Yeah, it makes sense with the characters and I think it makes sense with like the the kind of progression of how like aggressive and cruel they are. Yeah. Throughout. Yeah. And and Triss learning to like fight and and defend herself and stuff like that. I think it all really works. So. Yeah. Uh, another thing they and this is another element of that. Another thing they removed from the movie is Edward uh who is at one point the number 1 uh, initiate or whatever yeah. he's number one on the board and peter is number two one night in the middle of the night they wake up to screaming and peter has a butter knife sticking out of his eyeball Edward does sorry edward has a butter knife sticking out of his eyeball and they don't know who did it but everybody knows it was peter yeah. but there's they don't really have any way to prove it um and i wish the mo- again the movie doesn't have this because ratings because lots of things the people just aren't as cruel as they are in the book but i think this would have helped in leading in the progression of to the moment where they can, are like trying to throw Chris Triss into the chasm and kill her. Yeah. It just, it, it feels like that kind of comes out of nowhere yes. in the movie. Whereas in the book, we have a lot of violence and, yes. and terrible stuff and leading up. Then to they're terror. They're terrorizing each other yes. yeah. throughout this whole like training sequence. Yeah. And whereas like in the movie, yeah, that scene where they're going to throw her off the chasm just kind of comes out of nowhere. Like, surprise, they're going to murder one of the other yeah. kids, whereas nothing like that has <laughs> ever happened. The worst we've seen is them kind of beating each other up in the fighter, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, is the worst thing we've seen, and now they're literally going to murder one of them. You're like, wait, what? But in the movie, or in the book, that actually builds to that in a way that feels more natural. It kind of just works. Um, speaking of, let's talk about the Al yes. of it all. Yeah, um, so Al is this, he's, he's a character, character, he's this character, um, and in the book, he's kind of a, kind of a gentle giant yes. type character. Um, he, 
he's set up as somebody he doesn't like to fight. He doesn't. Yeah, he, he doesn't lets, like hurting people. Like hurting people. He's very nice to Triss and everybody. He's like friends with Triss and her friend yeah. group. Um, her, him and Triss are very close uh, throughout much of the early part of the book. It, honestly, maybe her closest friend, even maybe more than Christina in the book yeah. for parts of it. I would argue for parts of it. Um, he does uh, ruin it by trying to like get with her yes um to be fair you say ruin it he's a young boy he thinks he just has right. a crush on her it's not like he doesn't do anything he just i mean yes <laughs> he doesn't do anything he, I, he makes a move and she says no and then he goes okay like okay I, I, well then not ruin it then <laughs> he, he throws a little bit of gum into the yes, works it, it does mess up their relationship yes. yes i just think that it's a little maybe judgy to say he, he just had a crush on her and acted on it a little bit and then it didn't go anywhere and that was that yeah um, but he does eventually end up taking part in, with Peter and uh, Drew. And is Molly there in the book? No, it's, I don't it's remember. Peter and Drew and Al. Yeah, it's Peter and three. Drew and Al. Um, so he takes part in this plot to... Um, and in the book, it's unclear, and I yeah. think in the movie, too, whether they're ju they're trying to kill her by literally throwing her into the chasm or just scare her by, like, yeah. and I think, pretending they're going to throw her into the chasm. at least... Al thinks that they're just like scaring yes, her. I think that I don't think yeah. he realizes that the other two might have more nefarious yeah. intentions. Yeah. Um, but the movie does not spend nearly enough time setting up either Al's character or his relationship with Triss for the moment of his betrayal to have the impact yeah. that they wanted it to. Yeah. yeah. When she sees him in the movie, she's like, Al, and it's like, that guy oh, we see yeah, like once in the movie. Yeah, that like, guy that we've spoken to like I mean, two to times. be fair, she did help him that one time. We do hit the knife scene where she like, yeah. you know, kind of helps him where he's like nervous about the knives and she steps in and, and kind of looks out for him there. So we do have that at least. But even still, that other than that, we don't really get much in the way of their right. relationship. Whereas in the book, they have a very close relationship. Yeah, like they're they're very close friends yeah. in the book. Um, and now we both had kind of a similar reaction to this scene in the book which was that we both kind of felt like it was just very, very out of character. Yeah, him. I thought it it felt like it came a little too hardly out of now, harshly out of nowhere. Yeah. Didn't feel remotely in his character. His whole this whole thing is him. He, the whole time he doesn't want to hurt anybody. He literally won't fight people. He just gets his ass kicked because he just doesn't want to hurt anybody. He's just like you said, a gentle giant to the point of it. He's going to get kicked out yeah. of Dauntless because he just refuses to do the Dauntless stuff that they want him to yeah. do. And then all of a sudden he's involved in a plot that is maybe going to murder one of his close friends. And now there are some elements, I think, that make it work more in retrospect than when I was reading it in the moment. One, I think what you just said about him not him thinking we're just going to scare her as opposed to murder her yeah which is maybe what the other guys were thinking i think that makes sense and maybe lend some uh believability to him doing this also we find out some more stuff about um uh, his background which you had a note about here and about why he's in dauntless because that was a whole nother thing we were like mm -hmm. why the hell is this dude even yes. in this faction it doesn't I, make yeah. any sense i thought for a long time in the book i was i was like so al's gonna be divergent right because yeah he or something. why did how did he end up here why is he in dauntless yeah. he doesn't want um, to do any of the dauntless things <laughs> but it turns out that he's there because his family 
really admires yeah. the Dauntless. And he wants they to, like, like think the Dauntless are super cool. Yeah. Um. So Al was like, oh, I'll, I'll join Dauntless and I'll I'll live up to my family's yeah. expectations, which is an interesting. Like, I like that. I thought detail. that was very interesting. Yeah. Once you find that out, I liked that, and that added a little bit of credibility to the the heel turn that he does. Um. And then also, it uh, all the heel turn comes after. He, if you don't know, heel turn, that's a wrestling term where he becomes a villain, basically a heel turn. A heel in wrestling is the bad guy Mm -hmm. and you turn heel. He becomes bad guy. He uh, I think the other part of it that makes it work a little bit better is that this comes after the second stage or during the second stage of their initiation, which is when they're going through all the like basically psychological torture. Yeah. The point where he could handle the first part where he's just getting his ass kicked and stuff like that was not as emotionally destroying on him. But the second part where they got to like face their fears constantly and basically be tortured every day, I guess, has broken him down to the point where. You know, and then I think if you want to take an even more negative view of Al, you add on the fact that she spurned his advances. Maybe that plays into it a little bit as well. I don't know if that's what we're going for necessarily in the book, but you could I think you could if you want again, if you want to have a more negative view of Al, I think you could ascribe some of that to some of his motivation uh, behind why he does. Yeah, I I, you know, I I think. The, in the book, for me, it feels like at least a little out of character because I don't think that the book did a great job of kind of seeding that heel turn. Yes, I agree. I just feel like it comes out of yeah. nowhere. It just feels I, too I think sudden. there are like little bits here and there, and there are things that you could argue. I think afterwards, you can, it. yes, I think afterwards you can kind of like justify it and yeah. argue your way into it, but it doesn't really. But I, I don't up. think that the book does a good enough job no. of leading up to that. But it still does a better job than the movie. Yeah. And because and that was my big notice. And in the movie, Al is just nothing. He just yeah. might as well he's not. Just barely he's just there. A, another random face in the movie. He's barely in the movie. They don't have a relationship. Again, we I, all my all my criticisms of his heel turn um, standing. I I still think that's at least interesting. Yeah. In the in the book, and, yes. and 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 you can think about it after and kind of put the pieces together of how he got to the point that he did in participating in that, and it does make for a really tragic story that yeah, I'll uh, yeah. see hopefully has some effect on Tris moving forward. It didn't seem to have that much of an effect on on this one. Like they she discuss, she seems really upset about it for a little bit and then just kind of gets over it pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah no, I I think even if it's not kind of properly led up to in the book that moment of betrayal is still really effective. Yeah. Whereas in the movie, it it affected me because I was like, fuck, I liked that. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But where like, you know, you're watching the movie. I think the movie wants it to have the same impact and it just doesn't because they didn't spend any time building Al's character or the relationship with Trish. And that is, that is a good point because yeah, I felt betrayed in that scene in the book and I felt nothing in that scene in the movie. I was like, I don't, yeah, who cares? It's just some other dude. (laughs) Oh, look, it's that guy. Yeah. Yeah looks like all the other guys yeah Uh, and i mentioned this a few minutes ago but just in general peter who's the main antagonist bully guy in dauntless that that tris has to go up against he just is not cruel enough in the movie he's just like a generic obnoxious cool guy like yeah he just kind of like teases people jock bully kind of yeah he's just like teases people and stuff and then him and being like this murderer like getting to a stage where he's trying to like throw tris into the chasm just does not fit. And I think part of it is that the movie like decided to make the whole dauntless thing feel more like high school bickering and bullying Mm -hmm. and less like the, the insane, like bloodthirsty (laughs) jockeying for, 
uh, for uh, 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 jockeying for their livelihood that it is yeah. in the book. In the movie, it's 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 again, it feels more like they're trying to make the sports team, whereas in the book, or yeah, in the movie, it feels like more like they're trying to make the sports team, whereas in the book, it's like they're trying not to die, basically, basically, and like literally murdering each other over it. And so when we get to the point where he he hashes a plan to try to throw Triss off a cliff, it doesn't mesh with what the movie has been doing up to that point. Yeah. It's just like, well, he's just he's just been a guy who like kind of walks up and is like, what up, Tris, you dumb bitch. And then like, it's like, you know, it, that's not. And then he's like, I'm going to throw you off a cliff. It's like, what is this? this is not the same character in the book that Peter throwing her off a cliff. Totally by he's a psychopath in the uh, in the in the book, although which could be its own issue. We'll get to that later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Uh, another element of the way that all of these uh, kids interact with each other in the book that the movie drops is the kind of competition um, even between like Triss and her friends Yeah, where like when Triss starts to do well, her friends will get really salty about it. Yeah. They like turn on her. Yeah. And I don't even necessarily mind the movie dropping that in and of itself I'm kind of like, whatever. Yeah. But I think there are two issues with that. One is that by losing that, we lose some of Al's character development, yeah. like we were just talking yeah. about. And the other weird thing is that the movie does include this little scene where like her and her friends are talking and then Peter comes up and implies that Tris must know some kind of trick for beating the fear simulations uh, that then that she isn't sharing it with her friends. And I thought what the movie was going to do was include. So there's a scene in the book where her friends who transferred from Candor, Christina and Al mm -hmm. are like, Oh, we know when you're lying because we learned body language in Candor and like you have tells. Yeah. So we know when you're lying. And I thought the movie was going to include something about that. Hmm. Because in that moment, like, I thought that Tris would then be forced to try to lie to her friends. Like, oh, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to beat the simulations. I'm just She brave. does kind of brush it off. She does kind of brush it off. But I thought that was where the movie was going to go with it. But then that scene just kind of goes nowhere. Well, what that scene is, is the single, the singular motivating moment for Al to do what he does. Because the, the, them trying to kill her is like the next scene after that oh, the next so that's, uh, that's his that's this because you see uh, it, the camera oh, lingers God. on al like looking at her like like suspiciously yeah. and you can kind of see his his resentment or whatever and so that is the singular moment the movie gives us for al al's motivation to participate in like again either scaring her or throwing her off the cliff or whatever um so yeah it is 100 percent that that's why that's there uh, and again, it's okay. Well, that didn't work for it me. Does, yeah, it, I, I still don't <laughs> think it really works, but I, I did at least I was like, OK, they're this is how they're trying to set up Al's turn. Fine, I guess. But mm. it's, it's not enough. And again, it just doesn't. Yeah, I don't just... care enough about Alfred to matter anyway. So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, so in both the book and the movie, um, shortly after Al commits suicide, uh, Tris leaves Dauntless and goes to Erudite to see her brother Caleb. Yeah. Um, and I I'm rioting right now <laughs> because in the book, her and Caleb have their entire conversation underneath the freaking bean. Yeah. 
in Millennium Park. They're yeah. under the bean. And I'm like, if the bean is not in this movie, <laughs> I'm throwing an absolute fit. And the bean is not in the movie. I guess they couldn't secure that it was too expensive to shoot there or something. They were like, <laughs> nah, let's just not. <laughs> yeah. I was also disappointed. Absolutely. I really wanted to see the bean as a serious backdrop in a dystopian film. I wanted it so bad. It would have been fun. It would have been fun. When she goes to visit Caleb, she after she talks to Caleb, she is grabbed by erudite security guards and taken to Janine to have a discussion with her. And this also happens in the movie. Uh, there's a little discussions largely similar, but there's a uh, a little detail in the book that I enjoyed where. Janine is like talking about some of the rumors and bad stuff that have been going around about Triss's family and Triss knowing that she needs to like not ruffle feathers, basically like kind of yeah. agrees and is like, yeah, I hate my family. Like, yeah, she she knows she needs to lie to get out of that situation. Yeah. Uh, and I like that little moment. The movie cuts that and just has her be like, Basically, Janine is like, hey, can I count on you to I don't remember mm -hmm. exactly what, but she's like asking her. Yeah, she says something boring. Yeah, something. Uh, that was my point. It was like boring and I didn't care. So I didn't. And I was like, ah, I missed yeah. the part where she's like kind of like has to lie and, and like shit talk her family in order to mm -hmm. to go along with this. Uh, and that really like messes with her. And I liked that moment in the book. And I was, I was a little disappointed it wasn't in the movie. I agree with you. I wish that the movie would have included that. Uh, I think the movie potentially didn't do enough setup on the rumors about I would agree Triss's yeah. family specifically. Yeah. Um, but I wish the movie would have included that. I do like that the movie has Janine try and come off as like more sympathetic. Oh yeah. In this conversation, I think that that makes her feel a little bit more multidimensional and interesting than yeah. she does in the book. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, I think the book explains that. So we get to the third phase kind of of the uh, of the initiation where they have to do their fear landscape test thing, which is basically where they run a gauntlet of all their fears, essentially, and have to, like, figure out a way to conquer their fears to get to the end of this fear landscape. And then they pass and they become dauntless. Uh, I thought the book did a little bit better job of explaining how this all works. But that being said, it's also clunky as hell. Yeah. And. So in the move in the book, it's it's there's the stage where they're like in the chair. There's the thing where they go in the chair and they get the injection and they do like a singular fear mm -hmm. thing. And that's like a test setup. But then when they do the fear landscape in the book, they like go in a big room and they like do it. And they're actually like moving around in the room. I have a note about this later, but I think it makes sense that the movie seems to like tie that all together and make it kind of the same thing where it's just in the chair the whole time mm -hmm. and it's basically the fear landscape is basically the same thing as the previous i don't know it felt like in the book there was a disjoint like they felt like they were supposed to be two different things but they also felt very similar i don't know why i have this in better than the book this whole thing <laughs> i I, it's just it's kind of clunky in both honestly yeah because the whole setup of it and the way that it's explained like what it is doesn't really make any sense yeah in either like it doesn't make sense in the book so then of course it doesn't further make sense in the movie because it was just kind of clunky to begin with yeah um so one of the things that i and i have this in better in the book because it's again a mess here i don't know why i'm not even sure if i'm supposed 
I think I have this in better in the book because ultimately where it ends up, I found really frustrating in the movie and I didn't think it worked and made any sense. But I, one thing I did like in the movie is that four tells her that she has to pass this fear landscape test like a dauntless. Yeah. She is basically passing it like a divergent would like the way she's so good at it is because she's a divergent. Mm -hmm. And if she wants to pass it in front of everybody and not let them realize she's divergent, she needs to pass it like a dauntless would yeah and i feel like the book didn't make that as clear maybe i'm misremembering no i agree with you like i, the, I totally the agree. movie really spells out like okay you need to pass like a dauntless but then if that's what they're going for it doesn't make any sense the, how he tells her to solve problems like a dauntless in the movie because they go into his fear landscape when he's like explaining all yeah. this to her to like show her how to do it and like the first thing that pops up they're on like this high rise, like tightrope, basically between like two buildings or something. There's like on this, like up like a hundred feet, hundreds of feet in the air. And he's like, all right, what do you do? And she goes, well, I jump off. And he's like, no, that's what a divergent <laughs> would do. You got to solve it. Like a dauntless, a dauntless would go across it. And I'm like, what would, would they? they? They jump they off shit all the time. They yeah. That's their favorite thing well, and then, is and jumping then, off shit. And then he goes on to explain it, what, you sh what you need to do is you need to find a tool to solve the problem. That's the dauntless way. And I'm like, why is that? that that's not. And again, this is not yeah. what the book does at all. No, but it doesn't really make sense. The, again, also the book's way doesn't make sense. In the book, it's either you need to calm your heart, which I think this at least makes a little more sense with it making sense with dauntless is that in the book in order to conquer the fear simulation thing you have to either like calm down enough that your heart rate like hits like a baseline level yeah so that so that you're not scared essentially or you need to like push through it you need to like mm -hmm. attack it or you know like like in one of the instances that he talks about like uh, if you're, you know, if you're drowning, you need to swim deeper. Like if you're underwater and you feel like you're drowning, if you either need to calm down to the point where you're you're fine or you need to swim deeper because that's yeah, and like go deeper, challenge your, your fears. Fear. Yeah. yeah. And but then in the movie, it's like you got to find a tool and solve the problem. I'm like, but that's not that's like an erudite thing. Why would logically solving the problem be the way that a dauntless that's not what they do yeah like, I don't we've not seen them do that no because then <laughs> after the tightrope thing he's like walk across the tightrope like okay sure then they get into the the claustrophobia thing where the walls yeah. are closing in on them and this one's particularly dumb in the movie she he's like solve the problem and she's like okay and she finds like some nails and, and like shoves them under, them under the, 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 the walls wall? and that stops it I guess that's so what it's so <laughs> dumb because in the book, the way she solves that is again, this is his fear. She's like, okay, what we need to do, what we like, Oh, you're claustrophobic. So instead of pushing against the walls, we got to get really small and let it collapse even more. Mm -hmm. And then that is the equivalent of like diving deeper underwater or whatever is like, let it get even smaller. And that's what like conquers that, that part of the fear simulation. And I just, I was so confused. I was like, that's not what Dauntless, they don't find tools and fix, pro that's an, eh. yeah, I, I, whatever. And they would absolutely jump I, off the wire. Yes. I, uh, 
I was like, I think the movie completely loses the thread here, but then again, the book kind of does as well. So I, I don't yeah. know. It's not like I, I just that really frustrated me in the movie because it just was so antithetical to the whole point of what Dauntless do. I'm like, they don't find a nail on the ground and stop. What is it? What is Han- anyway? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say though, I, I did I liked that the movie, even though the movie kind of lost the thread here, I liked that the movie was very specific about like, oh, we're we're going into Forest Fear's landscape so that he can kind of teach her how to game the system. Yeah. Because initially in the book, I could not figure out why they were going into his fear landscape. I was like, why are well, we? Why are we doing this? Did he not say this? the same thing? Like, I don't I'm show you how think to, like, so. I don't know. Gonna, Maybe like, he did. Training, and I missed it. But I was confused for like that whole section yeah. in the book. What the book doesn't do is it doesn't say I'm going to show you how to solve it like a dauntless because that's like the whole point in the movie. And the right. in the book is just like I'm going to show you how to do this basically. I'm going to like help you train how to how to and and it will show you. I'll show you an example of what it's going to look like using mine. So that you can kind of get a feel for it is what the book does. And in the movie, he literally very specifically is like, I'm going to show you how to do this. Like a dauntless. How would we do blah, blah, blah. It's so stupid. I, that part drove me crazy. <laughs> uh, moving forward. They is just a little detail uh, in the book or in the movie. When they have their first kiss, they're just like in his apartment on the balcony. Like mm-hmm. he has this like he has a loft. <laughs> he has a huge <laughs> apartment yes. all to himself, apparently. And very brightly lit yeah. compared to everything else. Well, it's like up in the building, it yeah. seems like, uh, the upper part of the of their HQ or whatever. Um, but So they kind of kiss like on his balcony or whatever. In the in the book, I really liked that they kiss by the death chasm. Yeah. <laughs> they like climb down, into the, yeah. they climb down into the death chasm and sit on the edge by the water where the water's roaring, and that's where they kiss. And I was like, I like that. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hold me and kiss me by the death chasm. Um, uh, Also, uh, so then we get to the test. Uh, Yeah, then we get to her actual fear landscape test in the in the in the book and the movie. And uh, little detail, but in this happens in the movie where she's like tied up and being burned. Mm-hmm. But there's an added detail in the book where during the scene, it's almost like a witch burning where like yeah. everybody's yeah, like, yeah, crowd, yeah. like all of her friends and stuff are crowded around like jeering and like. This is an added layer to it. Whereas in the movie, she's just kind of like her hands are tied and there's fire mm-hmm. and then she gets out of it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of boring. I liked the, again, I always liked the witch burning feeling like kind of uh, description that we get in the book. Yeah. Uh, I really did not like that the movie changed um, her fear landscape scene with four yeah. to like attempted rape. I agree completely. I That is a totally different thing than fear of intimacy. Yes. And comes off as far less nuanced. Yes. And it also doesn't make any sense. Because yeah. that's not her fear no. that we know of. That, Again, I would not think. Throughout the book, we get this constant thing of her. She's never been with anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, you know, and she's very... She's, yeah, she's so she's sure, been raised know. in like kind of a conservative. Yeah, like her parents, her family, they don't really show like affection, yeah. like physical affection. Yeah, she gets weirded out by PDA and stuff. Yeah. Like that, yeah, so she's very like unsure of this relationship with four, and like unsure of her own feelings about yeah. it, and like feelings of like things that she wants to do. Yeah. Um. So she's has that fear of intimacy with yeah. him. Um, and the movie just takes that and makes it so that he tries to rape her yeah. in this fear scene. And it it's awful. Yeah. No, it's terrible. And that was actually a note I had about the book that I really liked is that compared to something like it was a, it was an aspect of this book 
as much as I, I, I have a note later about uh, how much is reminding me of Twilight in some ways, <laughs> the that was one aspect of that I actually thought this book was way better is that her sort of hesitancy and and um, uncertainty with intimacy and their relationship felt like a very natural teenager reaction to, mm-hmm. you know, becoming, uh, getting into a relationship, becoming sexually active, all that sort of stuff. It felt like a non-judgy, non-preachy sort of exploration of that growth yeah. process, of that, that stage yeah, in life the, you the, the kind through. of complicated feelings yeah. that come from it. Yeah, it felt very natural. And again, the book didn't feel particularly, like, preachy about like her needing to be pure you know what i mean yeah, like it didn't, yeah, it didn't, yeah. and i think that's where it it split off from twilight is that this book just felt like an actual yeah uh kind of uh depiction and exploration of those feelings you have as you're becoming like sexually active and stuff and wasn't judging her because of it and, and i liked that and yeah the the movie just changes that yeah. just kind of gets rid of that completely which was disappointing so there's a, a big change here that i thought was very strange in the final stage of her fear landscape test in both the book and the movie, her family shows up and she gets a gun and Janine has her at gunpoint and is like, murder your family. And in the movie, she just murders her family. Mm-hmm. And in the book, she lets Janine shoot her and she passes in both. Yeah. And I think the movie changes this because I think. In the movie, they thought letting her letting Janine shoot her instead of her shooting her family was like the abnegation way to solve this fear. Whereas they again, as four said, you need to conquer these fears like a dauntless or whatever, and that she needs to pass the test like a dauntless. But I also felt like part of the point of this book in its entirety was that all of these actions can be viewed as brave or selfless or whatever, depending on the lens you look at them through Mm -hmm. and that the distinctions aren't as clear as this system that this society has created pretends they are like, she has to learn that sometimes, you know, uh, surrendering or whatever is brave or sometimes uh, letting yourself be killed is the brave thing to do as opposed to like killing somebody like just, Always picking up the gun and shooting the person in front of you isn't necessarily always like, quote unquote, the brave, bold thing to do. Sometimes it is letting yourself be killed. And the movie was like, no, no, no. (laughs) And I was like, that seems really like a strange change to me. And I did not understand why they made that change. Again, I do understand why they made it. I just think it's a complete misunderstanding and I don't even know if I understand what this book is saying all that well, because I think it's muddy and I disagree with some of mm-hmm. to, some to a lot of what it's saying. I think I disagree with, but um, which I even still I'm unsure of. I, I, after 500 pages, I'm, I'm, I don't think this book has entirely stated its thesis or this series has entirely stated its thesis on morality yet. But we'll get to it, I guess. Hopefully. I um, hope. <laughs> I hope. I mean, it definitely has touched on stuff. And again, some of it I agree with some of it. I don't whatever. Um, but yeah, that in particular, it just felt like the movie did not understand yeah why the book made that decision Mm -hmm. at all and so they just changed it i was like all right i guess 
Uh, so after she passes her test, we talked about she gets the tracking chip. Uh, surprise, it's not a tracking chip. Everybody is now a zombie, uh, dauntless army uh, yeah. being controlled by the erudite and specifically by Janine uh, to purge the abnegation so that erudite can take over because everybody, or at least ab- or erudite is upset with abnegation because they think they're not they're they're too they're too selfless they're they're basically they're good. wasting resources yeah. they're not doing uh what they should be we're letting we're we're giving all this food and money to the factionless and what's the point of that their point you know that sort of thing um they go and they send all the dauntless into the abnegation part of chicago to basically like kill them all slash mm-hmm. uh capture them throw them in camps it's Mostly kill them, but it seems like also Mostly they're rounding them, them up. To... But at one point, Janine says that uh, abnegation will be absorbed into Dauntless, so I guess she's going to make all of them into zombie soldiers, too. I guess, yeah. So anyways, uh, I will say, I think the movie's version depiction of this all happening is not intense enough. I agree. This is, this is I mean, I get that you don't want to go too hard in the paint. And again, it's a PG-13 movie. This is very it's giving Holocaust. So I understand why we're like trying to ride a line and be sensitive without. But the whole point is that this is a brutal, horrible thing. And they're just like murdering people in the streets and stuff like that is what we're doing. Uh, Let's not complete. And the movie just kind of shies away from it. Like there's a very specific moment in the book where Tori, the tattoo artist, who is a zombie at this point, like murders one of the console people, like just executes them in the street. And it's described not in great detail in the book, but it's very much described. And we see that in the in the movie, but we don't really see it. Like yeah. we see her holding a gun and then it cuts back to Triss and we hear a gunshot and then we look back and the guy's on the ground. And it's like, I again, it's a PG-13 movie, but you got to figure out a better way to show the brutality of what's happening mm-hmm. for me to feel like what the, get the stakes of what's happening here. Yeah. I don't know. Again, similar complaints to some of the stuff in the Hunger or the, like the early movie of the Hunger Games and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, a quick question here. Did the the abnegation purge in the book, did that or did that not take place at night? I don't know. I almost never knew what time of day stuff was because fair. very often I felt like it was stuff was happening at night, but then it they would describe like I feel like I were, very often they would like wake up in the middle of the night to do something, but then it would sound like they could see stuff just fine. And yeah. I had several times where I was like, wait, is it night or day right now? Okay. But, but I, I don't know for this. I for it, it like in my head that took place at night in the book. Maybe. And the, the the fact that it took place no, it during is. the it is day. At night. It's, it's at night. No, yeah. it's 100% at night because she's sleeping and then she wakes up and she hears everybody like moving yeah, yeah, around. Yeah, she yeah, wakes yeah. Up the, yeah, it's at night for sure. And then the fact that it took place during the day and the movie kind of threw me for a loop. And I thought it looked like, like, and I get why they did it so that they wouldn't have to light everything yeah. for night <laughs> as at least one reason. But also, I thought it. I thought that didn't help with like the intensity of it. Do you know what I mean? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, I. I know what you mean. I actually think it could be worse in the day if they had just done it right. That's fair. I personally like. I don't. I don't know if you've ever seen. Uh, again, the comparison is there to be made. I don't know if you've ever seen Schindler's List. I have not. But a lot of the scenes in that of like the purging of the ghettos and stuff happens during the day and it does not remotely affect how fucking horrifying that all is. Uh, in fact, I would argue it maybe makes it worse in some ways because it is just 
And you expect bad things to happen at night. Seeing yeah. this shit happen in the daylight is almost more horrifying in its own way, or it can be if shown and done well. Uh, so yeah, it, it I, I could go either way on that. But and that's also more interesting to me then, because then it seems like having that happen at night would be an easy way to make it like superficially more intense. Yeah. While also kind of hiding, hiding some of the yeah. violence yeah. under the dark. Yeah. No, you're right. I yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, yeah, but then you have to shoot at night. Yes. Which shooting during the day is easier, d- depending yes. on the situation and stuff. So that could. But I, I do, I, like, I do think it taking place during the day really threw the kind of like the way that it was neutered a little bit into sharp relief. Yes. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah, I would agree with that. So during the purge of the abnegation, Tris and uh, Tobias are break free. Or you know, they're they're not under control. We'll talk about this more later. Um, but they they're trying to find her family. They end up getting found out and captured cutting a long story short they end up getting captured by the erudite and taken in front of janine and uh tris has been shot in the shoulder at this point uh but they've captured them and they're like hey janine is like hey i want to uh i have a new serum i need to test we'll test it on four uh you can just kill uh tris i don't whatever we don't need her just kill tris and when she says this, Tobias launches across the room and starts strangling Janine to death. And it takes like three dudes to pull him off. And he does lunge at her in the movie. But I, I don't know why. I just, I don't know. It's something about the imagery of this, like, <laughs> I don't know. I, it's something like, because she's so calm and collected and just like it, her, like literally being strangled by this dude would have, I think, driven home how out of control shit is. I don't know. Something about mm-hmm. it in the book really worked for me. And then in the movie, he just kind of like, ah, I'm mad. And it's like, all right. Then we get to the big, uh, her, her, she gets rescued by her mom in mm-hmm. different ways. We'll talk about that later, but she gets rescued by her mom uh, from, as she's about to be executed. And then they're fighting their way through this, uh, through to get to her fa- her father and brother. And at one point she ends up running into will uh, who is a zombie mm-hmm. and also at this point we didn't talk about this but will and christina were together yeah they're dating they have a little smoochy smoochy little thing going on um but will is there he's a zombie and uh he's trying to shoot them and so trist has to shoot him and just shoots him in the head and kills yeah. him yeah just completely kills him uh and the line in the book's like dark and terrible uh and she goes uh the 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 shot the my bullet hits him in the head i know because that's where i was aiming or something like yeah. that it's like ugh. and so she kills will uh and she also kills will in the movie but again cuz it's a pg13 movie she can't shoot him in the head cuz they can't show that so she just shoots him and he just kind of slumps over and then she walks past and he's just laying on the ground i was like yeah. well, he could be alive still we don't know where she shot him <laughs> he's got like a little trickle of blood coming sure. out of his mouth and she's like i killed him and i agree that in the movie she definitely did kill him but it's yeah. just the brutality and the just the stark holy shitness of that moment no, in the I book agree. just does not translate no, into the film. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. And and we get to know Will a little bit yeah. better in the book too and we like know him and yeah, like him. It sucks. I This whole end of this book I was like is this the first or the last book in this series? <laughs> everybody <laughs> is dying. Right? <laughs> I was like what the heck is going on? Um but yeah. So then they move forward. Uh her she meets up with everybody uh, with her her dad and her brother and Marcus the the leader of the abnegation and Tobias's father. They need to break into Dauntless HQ so that they can shut down the simulation and stop the Dauntless from killing everybody. 
and she takes them to the HQ. They get onto the roof, and she's sh- showing them that they have to jump the hole that she jumped into at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I was so surprised the movie didn't do this. I, oh, I, yeah. although, I can say that I, I think I know why, is that it maybe wouldn't have fit tonally with everything that has just happened because she just watched her mom die. She just shot Will. It's fair. But in the book in this moment, when she jumps in, she's standing on the ledge of the building and she's explaining, yeah, there's a hole down there. Just jump. Uh, You know, there's a net, blah, blah, blah. She's explaining what's going on. Uh, She goes, don't think, just jump. And in the book, she says that and she's like staring down into the hole and she leans, she turns over her shoulder. She says, don't think, just jump. And then she turns around and she does the badass. She puts her arms out and falls like the crow or something like <laughs> falling or like Batman, like falling off a roof. And I was so surprised the movie didn't do that because it's such a movie moment. Yes. And, and in the book or in the movie, she just jumps like normal, like she just jumps feet first off. But yeah, and she does the thing where she like slow falls and tips over the edge and does like a like a bungee jump fall thing in the in the book. <laughs> and again, I think I understand why cuz it doesn't <laughs> that moment doesn't really fit with everything that's just happened. She shouldn't be like, look how cool I am in this yeah. moment where she just watched <laughs> her mom die, but I whatever. Uh, another little detail in the movie, the prop guns are so fucking terrible. <laughs> they all look terrible. Just make them normal guns. I agree. They look like toy laser yes, guns. That, All yeah. of them look like they toy really bad. guns and they look so stupid. And they it's I understand because there's a lot of weird random future tech, but it's also not so far in the future. They would probably still just have normal. Just use normal. So many properties that do sci-fi in the future just use normal or at least close to normal yeah. looking guns. You can do like a slight modification, but these look but in, in the book, they're never implied to be anything but no, normal guns, guns, are they? Yeah, yeah they're yeah. just guns. And I don't know if these shoot anything different. They do sound a little bit different from normal guns. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, they look. Re- There's one moment in particular <laughs> that one Triss has is they're like going into Gauntlet, Dauntless HQ. Just I was like, that looks like a like you buy that at a dollar store <laughs> that would be like blue and green and like go pew, 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 pew. like, you know, I uh, terrible. Uh, there was a line that got cut from the movie. Um, so when they get into uh, Dauntless HQ, they run into Peter, yeah. um, who is not a zombie uh, because uh, Dauntless leadership, I guess, decided that he was cruel enough yeah. to, to to take be in to be plan. in on the plan. Yeah. Um, but they run into him and uh, Triss ends up like shooting him in the arm. Um, to get him to tell her what he knows, yeah. and then so there he tells her where the where the computers are and whatever. Um, so they're going there, and they take him with them. And I think he, he begs them to. He's yeah. like, please take. He's like, they'll kill me if I tell you. Yeah. So I, I'll tell you, but you have you have to let me come with you because otherwise they'll just kill me. Yeah. Um, and I think it's Caleb, her brother, um, who says like, "You're gonna make him walk." <laughs> Tris goes, did I shoot him in the leg? Yeah. He walks. He walks. It's a great moment. <laughs> I was astonished that the movie left that out. Yeah. They they swap. They have another great line in this scene that I'll talk about in the next segment. But yeah, they do get rid of that, which I was disappointed as well. Uh, so there's another thing that I thought was very strange. And then we both had this note and it makes literally no sense. We're almost at the end of the segment. So we'll wrap this up. But in the movie, she calls him for the whole movie. Yeah. Even after she real finds out his name is Tobias. Right. In the book, he makes a very specific point. At one point, he's like, don't call me four. 
And she's like, what should I call you? And he says, nothing yet, which is dumb. But it's like, well, okay, well, what do I call you? Whatever. But then when she finds out his, that, oh, God, it's Tobias. And she calls him Tobias from then yeah. on. And doesn't call him for anymore. And nobody, like, yeah. And so, but in the movie, after she finds out his name is Tobias, she keeps calling him for. And then I was like, okay, <laughs> I have an idea of why they might be doing this. Mm -hmm. Because as we find out, Tobias gets the new special serum used on him uh, that is supposed to work on Divergent, and it does. It turns yeah. him into a zombie as well. So he is now zombified working for the Ariadite when they get into the base. And she gets in front of him, and he starts fighting her. They, her him and uh, Triss and Tobias face off. And in the movie, in the book, she's just calling him Tobias the whole time. She's yeah. like, Tobias, please, it's me, blah, blah, blah. But in the movie, she keeps calling him four. And I was like, okay. I... The only reason, the only possible reason thought you have for sure, yes, hundred <laughs> percent. We both thought this had to be the case, is that she's gonna keep calling him for, but then finally, in a moment of desperation, she's gonna say, "Tobias, please," and that's gonna yes. be the moment, yes. that snaps them yes. out. Yes, it. it makes so much sense. It makes too much sense, and they don't do it. And I'm. It was right there. I, my it was mind right there. Was blown. I was sitting there on the couch watching the scene. I was yes. waiting. I was waiting. I was like, she's gonna call him Tobias, and he's gonna snap. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah. Doesn't happen. No. What in the world? <laughs> why? I don't understand why you would not do. Again, I think it was silly to have her keep calling him for the whole time. But uh, whatever, fine. If you yeah. want to do that. And save it. Then I was, I was sure. I was I, like, sure I, I, that's I, I, why they were doing I, yes, it. Yes, <laughs> I thought that was the only possible reason that they were having her continue to call him for yes. was for this moment. Yes. And it was going to have a huge impact and it was going to be great. Yeah. But no. No. <laughs> mind blowing. <laughs> mind blowing. Um, little thing. Uh, the movie dropped Tris telling off Marcus. At the end oh, of the yeah. at the end yeah. of the when they're like on the train getting out of uh when they're going to Amity yeah. or whatever. Four comes out and sees Marcus and Marcus goes up to like embrace him yeah. and, and Triss can tell that Tobias is really uncomfortable. So she like runs She's up and like back the yeah. fuck off, yeah. man. Um because we find out I don't think we talked about this. No, we find out that. in in Tobias's fear landscape that Marcus like beat him beat him like abused him as a kid yeah. and that was one of the like rumors about abnegation was that 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 erudite was spreading was that marcus like abused his kid and that's why he joined yeah. dauntless but it turns out that was a real that was a true yeah. rumor essentially yeah and yeah the um, movie cuts that that confrontation no and Tobias helps him onto the train at the end of the movie which like whatever I, I was okay with that for that. There's, I was there's like, clearly boo. still tension there. There's clearly still tension there, and he he is on the train in the book, and so yeah. I get I get I, I think there's we're gonna have we're gonna deal with this relationship in the next one, but I'm I know yeah I know yeah, but I was still like boo yeah boo that man. And then my last note for better in the book, and this is similar to the lock on the fence, in that does the movie know something I don't, or are they just gonna <laughs> worry about this later? Is that in the book, they make a very specific point of the fact that when they're shutting down, after they shut down the, the simulation that is controlling all the Dauntless, uh, Tobias pulls the hard drive that has the information, that has the simulation mm -hmm. program on it, and they take it with them. And as they're on the train riding out, you know, 
to go hang out with Amity or whatever, they they're like looking at this and it feels like this is going to be important. Yeah. And it's just not in the movie at all. Yeah. Not mentioned. They just destroy the computer or whatever and shut it down and we don't hear anything about this. And so I was like, okay, either they're just going to talk about, they're going to figure out, they're going to introduce this in the next movie. Or again, does this not matter? And the movie knew it didn't matter. So they didn't show it, but the book included it because they thought it, she thought it was going to matter. And then ended up deciding to have it not be important. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I I don't know. And I'm, and the, the little things like that, it does make me a little apprehensive about the upcoming books. Because yeah. it, it does it does make me feel like, oh, maybe maybe she didn't know where she was going with the series when she wrote the book. And I don't know. I we'll mean, the movie out. didn't come out that. Did the, did the first, I don't remember. Did the first movie come out? I know it got bought basically before the book came out, but I don't remember when. Uh, let's the see. Movie came out in 2014. Movie came out in 2014. When did the second book come out? The second book came out in 2012. Okay, so they probably would know. Yeah, because they filmed in 2013, so they definitely would know. That makes me worried. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have concerns. (laughs) That there are things in this book that seemed like they mattered that maybe don't. But maybe not. Who knows? We'll see. All right. That was all we had to talk about in Better in the Book. Quite a few things, but... We have even more to talk about in Better in the Movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. All right, so right off the bat, the movie opens, and we see the fence around the city, which looks far more interesting and foreboding than what is described in the book. Yes. (laughs) Because what the book tells us it is, is a regular old chain link fence. Literal chain link fence with some barbed wire at the top that I think is described as twice Triss's height. So yeah. like so maybe like, like a maybe, 10 or 12 foot Maybe a foot 10 fence. foot because yeah. she's supposed to be like five feet. Yeah. Maybe like a 10 or 12 foot fence, which is not particular like chain link yeah. fence. Chain link. I could break through that. Yeah. Come on now. Uh, so that, that was a big change for me that I thought made a lot of sense. I don't know what all that stuff is on top of it because there's like a wall part yeah. and then there's like all these. I I I thought like maybe some kind of electrified something. I don't know. I don't know. It it looked cool. Whatever it was. It was very imposing and and cool. So I I thought that was a good change. I liked that a lot. Uh, And on a similar note, just seeing the city and the world in the beginning of the film, I liked a lot compared to kind of the exposition and and that we get at the beginning of the book. Mm -hmm. I had a hard time getting a feel for what the city actually looked and felt like in the book yeah i couldn't tell how dystopian we were Mm -hmm. talking about a lot of the time like how much of the city are they actually living in yeah like what does it look like like i just had a hard time of knowing what kind of dystopian chicago we're talking about (laughs) here uh and seeing it in the movie you i will say it is along the lines of what i was imagining in the book so clearly the book didn't do a terrible job but I, the movie just I felt a lot better. I felt like I got a better grounding in the kind of world we were in than the book gave me. So I yeah. enjoyed that. Also, there's a little moment in the beginning of the movie. Uh, it's like a flashback, I guess, technically, um, where we see a very young Beatrice, a Dauntless, are like running through the streets and she's like running behind them. Because yeah, she I like that too. Thought it was a little it was moment. Really cute. A little, a little moment that worked really well, kind of setting up some of her character. 
I really liked Triss's abnegation outfit in the movie much better than what was described in the book. Her like her like dress yeah. thing. Yeah. Her whatever smock. it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Um because in the book she kept saying slacks. And I, I just, so for like the whole first bit, I was picturing her wearing like dingy khakis. I just don't like the word slacks. That's fair. I'll admit. Um, I also got confused because her brother is initially described as wearing a robe, like a wizard, I guess. <laughs> And I was like, okay, so that's what we're doing. But then, like, on the next page, she's wearing slacks. And I was like, I don't understand. I don't get the world building right now. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I I don't get it. A lot of times, but yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I liked Trissa's reaction to getting her, like, inconclusive result in the movie. Because in, in the book, I felt almost like she had, like, a non-reaction to yeah. it. Uh, that's she a, was kind of just, like, okay. Yeah. To be fair, she has a non-reaction to a lot of things that's in fair. the book. I don't know if how much of that is intentional as, like, part of her abnegation thing because they're kind of supposed to be very reserved. Right. But it just doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't translate yeah. In, in, on screen very and, well. and I liked that the movie gave her this, like, additional layer of panic where yeah. she's like, but the test is supposed to tell yeah. me what I'm to do. To, I need like, to know what to yeah, do. Yeah, because she, she doesn't know what to do, and she was really counting on yes. this personality yeah. test to, like, tell to her tell what to do. Her what to do yes which felt very real yes. it felt like a very real moment we've all had it you know when you're when you take your your uh your, your career, career test in high school like, oh, and it tells do. you something completely random yeah and you're like wait a second <laughs> uh, the movie dropped um this random little moment that i just want to talk about this at all so she sees tris sees like a bunch of people from candor smoking cigarettes which like fine whatever but the way she reacts to it, it's like, oh, uh, there's the candor smoking their cigarettes as the candor do. Yeah. And I'm like, I do not understand how values honesty equals smoke cigarettes. I don't get the connection. I don't get the connection. There. I don't get it. Because there are a lot of other dumb little connections that yeah. this movie or this book makes with like different things. And some of them make sense and some of them are whatever. But yeah, there's that one. I don't that see the connection. Was, like, wouldn't it make more sense for the super cool edgy Dauntless to be the cigarette smokers? You would think. I would think. Or even like the erudite because they're like. Yeah, because they're, they're like, like. Elite hips. Like, yeah. They're like the, you know. They're like up all night doing their studying yeah. and smoking yeah. their cigarettes. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Did not get it. Also, just I don't know. I've been saying candor as well. I think it might be candor. Er, I just thought about that. It doesn't really matter because I don't know if did. What did they say in the book? I guess we did listen to the audio book, and I don't remember. I don't remember either. It's spelled candor. Well, well, this is an O R. But anyways, I thought it might be candor. I think they say candor in the movie, but it could be candor i just i just wanted to point that out in case there's somebody likes pulling their hair out listening and like why are you saying it like candor because andor is a great show and that's why i don't know <laughs> here let me uh candor that was candor candor that's what i thought the word is pronounced that way the word this is based on yeah. is pronounced candor uh like candid like candor uh but anyways i don't it doesn't matter uh. i also was saying candor so <laughs> 
just wanted to mention it anyway um there's a little moment in the movie where they the they meet janine like right before the choosing ceremony which doesn't happen in the book book. um and caleb shakes her hand very easily Mm. which i thought was kind of a fun easter egg for book readers because there's this whole thing in the book about how all the factions have like different distinct greeting styles and tris even uses that at one point to tell like who might be from where yeah because the dauntless all like shake hands with each other yeah um and you can tell like when somebody's from a different faction because they're not super comfortable with it yeah specifically abnegation doesn't shake hands i believe um so then like having him like shake her hand very easily i thought was an a fun little like easter egg Mm -hmm. kind of moment yeah uh, once they get to once Dauntless or Tris becomes Dauntless, they get to the thing and and four is showing them around. Uh, he shows them their like their like quarters and the bathroom. And this is a line that was on the book that I thought it was just a fun line where he's like showing them the bathroom and it's just toilets like and showers out in this big open room. Uh, and he's he says you should feel right at home, Candor. Everything out in the open, which I thought was a nice fun little mm. line referencing their their openness and honesty and how they literally can't lie so they just now you're shitting in the open congratulations um so in both the book and the movie when we get to dauntless we find out that they only take like the top of the class basically um and the movie does it a little differently than the book in the book they take like literally just the top 10 yeah but it's a little bit more more people i don't know in the movie well in the movie what they do is they they have the leaderboard be all of the initiates including the dauntless born and the transfers whereas in the book they're split up initially right and it's the yeah so anyways it's slightly different but it's a similar basically which and, and honestly while we're talking about that that is also something that i liked better about the movie was that they just combined them all from yeah. the start because yeah. i i thought the book made it unnecessarily complicated yeah but anyway um so we get there and we find out uh that there they, you have to make the cut yeah and which eric says is a new rule yeah which is not the case in the book. No, in the but book, it's just described it's just the as way they do they it. Do it yeah. But I do think that that tracks with everything else we learn in the story about how Dauntless has changed recently. Yeah, no, I agree because we find out, and there is because very shortly after this, we have the rule about how you, uh, um, when they're fighting, Eric's like you can't give up. Yeah, and uh, or Eric's or Eric says uh, the rule is you fight until somebody you can't fight anymore. And uh, four says, or somebody gives up. And Eric says, no, you can't give up. And and he goes, new rule. Or it's like a new rule, mm-hmm. you can't give up. And so this just goes, that is in the book, that that's a yes. new rule. And so I like making this also a new rule, I think yeah. it makes sense of this, making them more cutthroat than they used to be even. Yeah. Um. And I just, I just want to say another thing about like the world building here that I don't get is the, the, I like I understand the ruthlessness of Dauntless from like a characterization perspective, but like logically within this world, they're like the local militia, basically. Yeah. And they're also constantly taking themselves out by like jumping off of moving trains onto the tops of buildings and yeah. things. And I, I'm just like, you'd think they'd want as many bodies as possible. Yeah, the best of the best of the best, sir. I guess, <laughs> but yeah. like, you know, no, it is dumb. It's stupid. Yeah, it's dumb. I don't disagree. I think it's in. I think that is one where it's. 
yeah, it, it is, it's it's within character for that to be a dumb decision they would make, I think, though. Yeah. I, I, I think would be my argument. But yeah, no, I agree. It is stupid. I liked the little moment where the movie has all of the, the new transfers burn their old clothes from their old factions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was a really interesting detail uh, that helped support the whole like faction over blood thing yeah. that exists in this world. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned the whole the the new don't surrender rule that Eric introduces when they're fighting. Uh, but there's a little response to that in the movie that was not in the book that I like where after Eric says, you know, new rule, you can't surrender uh, Four turns to him and says, lucky for you, that wasn't a rule when we fought, <laughs> which I thought was fun. Uh, again, just kind of it's a good Get moment. Uh, it shows their dynamic and that Four doesn't yeah. like isn't really intimidated by Eric, even though he is like this, you know, super intense edgy cool guy or whatever yeah i also think the movie does a better job than the book of making us unsure if four is an asshole or not or evil or what his whole deal is Mm -hmm. i think it keeps us guessing a little bit longer i think the book wanted to do that and does it a little bit but i think it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that he's yeah like a good guy or whatever uh and i thought in the movie we we got strung along a little bit further in a way that I thought worked. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Book four kind of annoyed the piss out of me. <laughs> I, 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 and maybe it was because the book, the book was trying to do that and not really, and not succeeding, really succeeding. Yeah. But I felt like in the book, he was just being cryptic for no reason other yeah. than like the drama. Yeah. Yeah. Annoying. And part of that could be that it's just a pretty good performance in the movie too. That makes that work. Yeah, that that's Theo true. James just does a pretty good job uh, making that, that characterization work in the film. I liked that the movie incorporated Janine more, especially into the first half. I felt like in the book, she kind of just shows up at the end to be the big bad. No, I agree completely. Uh, Whereas the movie has Triss interact with her like a few more times before that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I loved having Janine around more, having her at the choosing ceremony, that interaction. Mm -hmm. And then I really liked having her. She shows up at Dauntless HQ at one point while they're walking down the hall. She like walks past um and her and Tris bump into each other and they have a brief conversation where she mentions that she knows Tris's test results and is like oh yeah about your t-, something like that uh, it just starts building the tension between them earlier and setting her up as this antagonist earlier than the or not necessarily earlier but just involves them more yeah. with each other and and gives a more concrete relationship between them and then I also like in that scene in the movie where they bump into her, they then uh, one of the we overhear as they're walking away uh, as Tris and her group are walking away. They're like, oh, I bet she's here. They're hunting divergence or something like mm-hmm. that. Or they're looking for divergence. Uh, and, and I liked the idea, which the book doesn't really ever do this. The idea that like everybody kind of knows about yeah. divergence yeah. in the book the it seems like it's like a secret that like right, only like, very few people yeah know not about. very many people even know about this concept people who are divergence and then a handful of other people who either have known divergence or blah 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 like are aware of it but like the broader community is not aware of this whole thing whereas i liked in the movie it kind of made sense to me that again one of the random other it's like will or some, mm-hmm. i don't know somebody is like oh i bet they're looking for divergence or something like that I liked introducing the idea that people know about it. They just don't really talk about it that much. And it's just kind of like a shunned taboo subject that I thought that worked really well. Yeah, And you kind of get the idea too, that like anybody could like turn you in. Or, like, out yeah. you if they yeah. found out that you were a divergent. Yeah, because they know it. Yeah. Yeah, because like, they actually know. In the book, you get the feeling that if you said, if she had said to Christina, I'm divergent, Christina would be like, what? Yeah. 
Whereas in the movie, if she said that, she'd be like, what the... F yeah, yeah, I agree. No, I, th I, I liked that change. Uh, the movie drops... Um which I mean, I guess this is six in of the one movie. She's white because in so. the movie, they, the movie does whitewash her. But we do drop a, a, a very racially charged description of Molly in the yeah. book. Although I can never tell when a book says brown skin what they mean. I never know. Do they mean a, a person who is not white or do they mean a person who is tan? Uh, yeah, I, I guess, never know. I guess that's fair. But the the book describes her as like dark-skinned and ugly with a broad nose they say bulbous nose I yeah the exact term yeah no it, it yeah it could definitely you could definitely read that way like i said i i just that that's actually a thing that i i feel like it's like a weird writer cheat code if mm -hmm. you want to be ambiguous about what ethnicity a character is just say they have bronze skin it's kind of like olive skin or olive skin that's yeah. the other one when you say that i'm like okay i don't know <laughs> <laughs> Which and that's a whole issue in and of itself is like being vague in that way. Yeah, but it's like they could be a white person with darker skin or they could be a, a person of color. And you, yeah. they just don't. I don't know. And the book doesn't care to say one way or the other. But yeah, you could read it. Yeah, it's it's very strange. I like that we see them actually being trained to fight in the movie yes. um it frustrated me that in the book it seemed like they weren't really training them to fight you assume it's happening but it's never mentioned but really. it, it feels like they were just letting them wail on each other i'm like i don't how is that helpful i <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know either i mentioned the war game earlier but i did like in the movie they changed it in the, in the book it specifically mentioned that they're playing paintball they say it's yes. hey we're doing paintball and they get paintball guns and they shoot paintballs at each other uh, and the movie decides to make it a little more futury, so their guns shoot these little darts that inject them, either either electrocute them or inject them with some sort of drug or something that makes it feel like they've actually been shot and basically like incapacitates them with pain. I thought that was fun. I liked that. Yeah, I, I don't. I honestly don't have any big thoughts on this change, but I also thought it was kind of hilarious that they're playing paintball in the book. Yeah. So the, <laughs> it's a six of one for me. Yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter either way. I just I thought it made I I liked the little pain darts. I thought that was fun. Uh, I a big change that the movie makes that I really liked because it was one of the moments that was like, oh, this is such bad writing. Is it just felt like clueless writing, kind of like the tattoo thing to me. Mm -hmm. Almost like it's it's just like it, like unaware of what you don't know writing or something. Where um, when they're picking the teams for paintball. Eric yeah. and, and four are the two captains and they're picking the teams and four first picks Triss and then Eric picks like Peter or somebody. And then they, they keep divvy up the teams and Triss is trying to figure out like, why is Eric, why did Eric or why did four pick me? And why, Oh, and then he picked Christina and then he picked, he's picking small people. He's like, and, and, and then Eric makes a comment about like his team being scrawny or something like that. And Eric is like picking all these giant dudes. And then Triss eventually realizes that and thinks that for and, and voices the idea that four is some sort of brilliant tactical genius because he he outwits Eric by picking faster, smaller people for a game of paintball capture the flag. Yeah. And it's just it's one of those moments where the book is presenting something as if this character is doing something impressive and brilliant when it's just the most basic, obvious <laughs> thing that you could possibly do. They're playing capture the flag paintball. 
why would you pick gigantic muscle dudes <laughs> that's irrelevant for capture the flag paintball you have guns and you're you're running to capture a flight like it's just it's uh, it's like yes of course it's it, it it's all it does is paint eric as a complete idiot it's right. not that four's particularly brilliant it's just that eric is which in, is also true but he's not there's no way he would be that stupid it just uh, i just it's it's one of those <laughs> moments that drove me insane i'm just like this isn't doing what you think it's doing i'm yeah. just rolling my eyes at you thinking this is saying something interesting about your characters because it's all it's saying is that you don't understand what's happening here as a writer <laughs> i feel like that you think this is some sort of brilliant tactical move by four when it's literally just the most obvious <laughs> base level thing you would do where you picking a team if you had played paintball once in your life or even, capture the flag. Or capture the flag. And even if you hadn't, just if you knew what the rules were, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I probably like fast people and like yeah. people that were harder to hit yeah. would be good. No, I want the biggest, I want the biggest, targets. meatiest motherfuckers. On my, it's like, what are you? You're not playing tug of war. What is happening? I don't. <laughs> and again, the, the ah, I just can't get over how the book presents this. It's like this. Oh, it like blows her mind. It's like, are you all stupid? What is happening? Uh, there's a little moment in the movie that I really, and again, I like the movie better because it just cuts all that. She does, he does pick Triss first, but we don't get into all that, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, I do, there's a little moment where after uh, Trish shoots Peter, that moment you were talking about earlier, and he falls over as they walk by, Christina just shoots him again in the leg. Yeah. <laughs> it made me laugh. I liked that moment. Uh, and then the actual paintball shootout itself, or not paintball, the the war game shootout itself is, it's not great in the movie, but it's better yeah i actually had a very specific note of this in the book that i was really worried about action scenes going forward because this is pretty early this is like chapter 12 and mm -hmm. the way that action scene plays out in the book is so nondescript and nothing unexciting it's like a half a page and then it's just over and i was like oh this is like your big first like action set pc thing and you just did nothing with it like yeah. it's, i don't it's just like I, I, I could almost read the freaking description because it's just nothing happens and then it ends. And I'm like, oh, this can't be <laughs> a good sign for <laughs> what I assume is going to be books, a book series that has, you know, no, at least some fair amount of <laughs> of action scenes throughout the course of the series. Uh, but man, it is not not exciting. Let me see if I can find it real quick, because it's really not that long. It's like. Half a page. I pull my gun around my body, holding my finger over the trigger. We reach the end of the pier. I clamp my mouth shut to keep my loud breaths in. We slow down so our footsteps aren't as loud. This is as they're approaching to where they know the flag is. And nothing has happened to this point. There have been no fighting yet. We slow down uh, so our footsteps aren't as loud. I look for the blinking light again. Now that I'm on the ground, it's bigger and easier to see. I point and Christina nods, leading the way towards it. Then I hear a chorus of yells so loud they make me jump. I hear puffs of air as paintballs go flying and splat as they find their targets. Our team has charged. The other team runs to meet us, and the flag is almost unguarded. Uriah takes aim. Uh, or Uriah? I don't know how his name is pronounced. I think it's Uriah. Uriah takes aim. Uh, Uriah takes aim and shoots the last guard in the thigh. The, the, the guard, a short girl with purple, purple hair, throws her gun to the ground in a tantrum. I sprint to catch up with Christina. The flag hangs from a tree branch right above my head. I reach for it, and so does Christina. Come on, Trish, she says. You're already the hero of the day, and you know you can't reach it anyways. She gives me a patronizing look, the way people sometimes look at children, blah, blah, blah. 
Without looking at me, she turns, gives a whoop of victory as she snatches the flag from the branch, and then they all cheer. Literally, the extent of the paintball fight in the paintball war game is, I hear a chorus of yells, I hear puffs of air as paintballs go flying and find their targets. Our team has charged, the other team runs to meet us, and the flag is almost unguarded. Uriah shoots one person, and then they get the flag. Like, yeah. nothing happened. Yeah. This is your, what? I was like, what is, uh? <laughs> you didn't describe anything. The teams ran at each other and then one person got shot. What even, or other people got shot, but you didn't describe, it just, she didn't even shoot anybody. No. I just, I, it blew my mind. I was like, what, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of though, I was glad that the movie just had Tris get the flag. Instead of the whole thing yes. with Christina taking it and then it like causes tension between them. That plot point just did not do anything. Well, it for ties me. into the thing you were talking about earlier of the, the tension right. between her yeah. and her friends of her getting better and stuff like that. Yeah, but it doesn't really go anywhere interesting. Yeah. So uh, the moving, uh, I, another change I like is that they move, there's a zip line scene uh, where they, her and some of the other Dauntless initiates, specifically the Dauntless born Dauntless initiates. Mm -hmm. Uh, they grab her and they take her to go do the zip line yeah. thing that they all do. They like accept like a, her into the yes, pack. because because of the paintball game. Yeah, uh, Uriah is one of the Dauntless born initiates who I mentioned there. Um, and in the movie, they have Uriah grab her as they're coming back from the paintball game and mm -hmm. immediately go do the zip line. And I thought that made yes, perfect sense perfect because sense. they're already out in the city. Uriah, this is the moment where their camaraderie is already happening, mm -hmm. and he like grabs her and, and like, they've got the... like that high yeah. from winning the paintball yeah, game. Yeah, totally made sense to move it there and have it, you know, be right then. I also thought in general the zipline scene was pretty spot on to what yeah. I envisioned yeah, from the book. Um, the only thing that was really missing is at the end when she gets there, they just like a literal trust fall that she does because she mm -hmm. has to like drop out of the harness and fall into the arms of the Dauntless, and like we see them below her, but it just cuts. And then she's mm -hmm. like back at base or whatever. I don't, it doesn't really matter. But anyways, uh, the movie also is better because it does not use the phrase dauntless mania at any point. <laughs> I don't even remember the context of this. I just remember listening to the audiobook together while we were driving and somebody said dauntless mania and we both started laughing and you wrote it down in the notes. <laughs> it was uh, when Uriah invites her to the zip line thing and he's like, we're going to do, go do something dangerous or whatever. And she's like, he got a look in his eye that I now described as dauntless mania. Yes, that's right. So, so cheesy. Ugh. <laughs> uh, a little change that I like a lot is that when in the movie, her mom shows up and they have their brief discussion. Uh, her mom like sneaks there and like mm -hmm. kind of like signals her and pulls her over in the book. It's like family day. Yeah. Where, where their families come and visit the, and it just, it's felt so cheesy and out of place to me yeah. that I it felt very like college. Yes. It, yeah. It, this actually feels more like it would fall in line. The thing that's silly is that this feels like it would fit with the movie because the movie feels more like a, like a high school, like mm -hmm. collegey, like fun. Again, all the, the, the bullies are like more playful and not less cruel. And, that the whole like family coming to because Dauntless isn't as overtly brutal as it is in the book, fa having a family day actually makes sense yeah. a little more. But anyways, I I think it, I like that because yeah, it just it fits her character. We know once we find out more about her mom, her being Dauntless, all that sort of stuff, her sneaking there and mm -hmm. doing this. I I just think that change makes a lot of sense. Um, one thing that I did think <laughs> was funny about Family Day in the book, though. 
<laughs> was the moment when she sees like uh, Dauntless families and she's like, whoa, you mean people with tattoos can also be families? Everybody knows when you get your first tattoo, your family poofs into smoke and disappears. You never talk to them again. <laughs> yeah. So dumb. Uh, I also really think uh, in this moment was one of the where it really stuck out to me. Um, Shailene Woodley is really good and it's great casting, but also uh, Ashley Judd is her mom. They look, they work yeah. really well as a mother daughter. Like they absolutely sell as mother and daughter. Um, so I like, I liked both of those castings a lot. Yeah, I agree. A movie dropped drunk four. Yes. There's a scene in the book where he gets drunk. It's like when they come back from paintball, isn't it? Or something like that. Something like that. I can't remember. Um, Yeah, he's just like drinking. But we we listened to this on the audiobook too, and we both started laughing. Uh, because there's a moment where he he he's drunk and he like accosts her. (laughs) He's like, You look good, Tris. (laughs) Yep. Just drunkenly slurring. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that was uh probably a good decision to drop that. Yeah. I don't. I mean, it could have been a fun comedy beat in the movie. It actually, again, probably would have fit better in the movie than it does in the book. But true. But I, I, I think removing it makes sense. Yeah. Either way. And I don't. Would there be a rating thing with showing him drunk? No. Not for PG thirteen. Okay. I mean, I, I, I no. I don't think that's. I don't. I think feel like I always need to check. I don't know the rules thing. enough, but that I'm pretty sure you can depict people being drunk in a PG thirteen movie. <laughs> not. I think. I know you can. <laughs> He's the hero, though. Doesn't matter. That's not how that works. Okay. I mean, maybe if he was underage, but which I guess he technically is because he's 18. But there's no rules in this universe. I don't know how it works. (laughs) Whatever. Um, When we go into her, when we start going into Triss's uh, fears, like one of the first ones we see is her getting like mobbed by crows. Yeah. Um, And which in the book, what she eventually ends up doing is like magicking up a gun no that well that's not in the first one not in the first one that's what she does in her fear landscape right in or in the first the first time it happens doesn't she just like lay down and wait in the first one she just lays down and eventually like realizes it's a simulation and yeah. that like calms her down and she gets out of it i was a little unsure the first so yeah, 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 yeah i was a little unsure of how she got out the first time because she just gets attacked by the birds for a long time and then realizes it's a simulation and this kind of gets out of it yeah she does <laughs> i had a note about this later she does i thought that scene was pretty spot on uh again because because the fear simulations that they do individually during training end up being some of the same ones that are in their actual fear landscape later, this scene happens twice, basically, with, right. the, with the crows or whatever. And in the first one, though, during training, in the book, she just gets attacked by him, eventually, like, lays down and, like, kind of hides and then either calms down or whatever. But also, she... she eats one of them she like yeah. bites its head off yeah i don't know and i think that is part of what helps in the simulation i don't know again the rules are so weird and i don't understand Ugh, whatever but anyway the i was movie... disappointed she didn't bite a crow's head off in the movie is all i'm saying <laughs> the movie shows her um like turning and like diving down into the marsh water yeah. which i thought looked really cool yeah yeah no i thought that worked i thought that was fun um okay so we talked about in our last segment um that the movie did not do a good enough job of like ramping up the violence mm-hmm. to the moment when they attempt to throw Triss off the chasm. However, I do like the movie's decision to leave out 
the little bits of sexual assault yes. that are in this book. Yeah. Now, is I, there another one? Other, I mean, the towel part. I there's guess, the but. towel part, and then when they try to throw her off the chasm. Well, yes, I know that this part. Yeah. The towel part's the other one. Yes. I guess towel, that's what I was. The towel thing yeah. is the other one okay. where they like rip the towel off. I didn't her. know if there was something else I was not remembering no. because those, those are the two moments. Those are the I two moments okay. that I am thinking of. Okay. And I, I am generally not a person who has a problem with like depictions of assault in fiction. Yeah. If it serves if it's a if it serves a purpose and if it's done right. And to me, those parts of the book felt icky. Yeah. I I felt like the author was using them kind of thoughtlessly. And I, I didn't mind losing it. I would agree. So in this scene, what you're, what happens, yeah, is during the, as they're grabbing her and struggling to throw her over the thing, somebody, I believe it's implied to be Peter. It's hard to tell when you're reading it because it's, it's kind of chaotic. Well, the Peter's the one who's talking. Yeah one of the people who's talking but it's well then it's either peter or drew it's one of those two yeah. it's not al right um because al tells whoever's doing it to stop yes anyways somebody starts groping her basically while they're like throwing her over the the balcony um and yeah the movie cuts that out i i agree that i think that that change makes sense um mainly because it i yeah i don't it doesn't go anywhere there's not it doesn't really yeah. seem to do anything like i don't i don't know what other than i don't know what it's saying like what yeah or where we yes. go with that or you and know it, what i mean and it made me uncomfortable too in the book that afterwards she was like like her and four talk about it and they decide like not to do anything and for her to like go back and like be ashamed yeah about it for now he yeah, does say for, for now. now. He says eventually. Yes, eventually we'll be the shit out we'll, of him, we'll shit yeah. him, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And like, and I understand that decision, like within the world yeah. of the and story. The of this, yeah. But in a larger context, yes. gross. Yeah, it is weird. It just doesn't. And, and again, it doesn't. It's like, what is what are we saying here? Like, what yeah. are we trying to say? It doesn't really feel like there's a distinct message being sent about how you should respond to, to the assault like should yeah it just it comes across as muddled and weird and 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 and, and mostly just kind of gross and unnecessary in yeah. a way that doesn't again it doesn't feel like it does anything for her character doesn't feel like it does anything for whatever and especially if it ends up being peter that was the one doing it which again i it was either, either peter or drew I, I don't know for sure um because again it's kind of hard to tell in the scene i would have to go reread it and see if i could figure it out the again because we're from the perspective of Trist, she just says like I feel hand blah like you don't mm -hmm. you can't she doesn't exactly know who it is because she's blindfolded and stuff like that and so what because one of the things that I'm fairly certain is going to happen is Peter is getting a redemption arc yeah he has been drug along with them he is now with our band of heroes on the train at the end of the movie riding into the sunset so my guess is that Peter is going to end up you know, yeah, getting a redemption arc thing, and I, I think if he was the one doing it, that makes that even weirder. If we're just gonna kind of ignore that and pretend that didn't happen, or what are we gonna do with that? Like, it's you know, I don't know, and I don't <laughs> know if I trust this book series to handle that in a way that works. So I think just getting rid of it makes the most sense. There's a little n detail that uh, when she wakes up in Tobias's room, he has this thing spray painted on his wall that just says "Fear God Alone." Yeah, the movie never talks about this, never addresses this. But this was the first indication when she wakes up in that in his room and we're in his room and he doesn't have this on the wall. I was like, OK, maybe the movie is steering away from the overt religiosity of the book. Uh, more on this shortly. <laughs> we'll get to it. Uh, I also really think the buildup of the of 
Triss and Four's relationship in the movie feels more natural and a bit less, I say more natural, maybe more natural to me. I don't know. It feels less courtshipy than it mm-hmm. does in the book. In the book, they like so many times they like hold hands or like touch foreheads. There's a scene where it's described that he like holds her and presses his lips to her forehead and they just like sit there for a while and then nothing happens and they leave and then they don't kiss for like a long time. And it, that was the closest I got to the the book feeling kind of like like prudy, preachy, like Yeah. Like a little bit don't make um, make sure you don't kiss too early yeah. like i don't know it just felt like little purity culture. yeah a little little purity culture uh, it, it was some of that stuff in the book and again i, I overall i thought it worked again because a lot of it is more to do with uh, her you know just being uncomfortable with intimacy and stuff like that and I, I think that all worked mostly fine but there was tinges of it here and there in the book that felt a little purity culture-y um, and that I was glad the movie got rid of. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, it, it, this is a little thing and it's not. A, yeah. <laughs> uh, there were a few moments of the like, quote unquote, romance writing in this book that just cracked me up. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there was one moment where Tris describes for or maybe his room. I don't remember. Um, but she says, like, it smelled like detergent and something sweet, heavy and distinctly male. <laughs> It's when she's sleeping in his bed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. I see we went to the paperback romance novel school of writing here, which uh, no shade. I also went to that school of writing. (laughs) Um, But it is funny to see it crop up in in other things. Uh, There was also another moment where um, they're talking about like their relationship and she's like, well, I'm I'm not experienced yeah. like you are and like assume, assumes that he has all this experience and he's like, "Well, this is all new to me too." Yeah. And I just got big twilight vibes yeah. from that. Yeah. Don't worry, I'm also a virgin <laughs> is what that moment yeah. was. Yeah. And then but then my favorite one. My favorite note about this is I don't remember I'm not going to say it, don't worry. I I didn't remember this what this was. I don't know what this I didn't know what this was. I didn't remember this from the book. But just reading the two words, you have not written these in a way that indicates anything, but just reading these two words in this order and then your sentence after it, I know exactly what it is and how it should be said. (laughs) (laughs) She does the classic. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Second O italicized. Yes, you did not italicize it here. It was italicized in my original notes, and it didn't. Oh. It didn't. That's actually better. That's actually transfer. better because even without the italics, I knew the second one should be italicized because I knew exactly. It's not what it was. a. It's not a YA romance. Yes. Without the O. Oh. oh. <laughs> no. You have to have it. You have to have it. Absolutely. It's law. It, it law. must be there. Absolutely. Uh, there's a little moment in exchange between Triss and uh, Tobias that I don't recall from the book. I went and tried to find it, but I really liked it in the movie um, where they're talking. And at this point, they, she's been trying to like hint at her being divergent. And he's been trying to pry, or she's been he's been prying uh, at like what you know, what she got on the test and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And she she doesn't want to spill the beans to him because she doesn't know if she can trust him. And then eventually it gets to this point where they get towards the end and she says to him, I'm not going to pass the final test. And he's like, why is that? And she says, you know why? Uh, And I really like this exchange where she basically says she's divergent without saying it. 
Yeah. I just thought it was handled really well, delivered really well, and I don't think it's in the book. At least I don't remember that exchange. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think it makes a lot of sense for the final test to take place in a chair, like the fear landscape chest to be test to be in a chair like the rest of the fear simulations. Uh, I will say I am disappointed that we don't get to watch them flail around in a <laughs> giant room because that is what is described in the book, by the way. So when she takes that so final stupid. test, yes, when she takes that final test in the movie, she's just like laying in a chair, like, you know, doing the normal simulation. I don't know why in the book they felt like for the this one simulation of all the other simulations, other than I guess to set up the idea of the zombie part later that you can be like up and moving up around, and moving around yeah. is I guess the I only guess. thing. Um, but when they take the fear simulation tests in the book, they're in like a big empty room and they're just like, it's like if you were watching somebody do a VR in a room, but like they're just like moving around, like fighting birds and stuff and like trying to swim. I was like, well, how do they do the swimming? They're like diving into the floor. Like, it just, I don't know. It was very funny to me. In her fear landscape, uh, I really like in the movie that they changed the way she's defeats the crows is by like finding a flaming branch and like scaring them away in the book she just materializes a gun and yeah. shoots all the birds <laughs> and i was like oh, all, right. all right stupid <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah i guess all right just shoot the birds <laughs> it just seemed like such a dumb like i don't know it's like it's like a, is it that can you just solve work. every yeah can you just solve every problem? It's like, I just get a, can I just materialize a gun for all of these problems and just shoot my way out of it? I don't know. She's just shooting the water. Yeah. <laughs> it just, I don't know. I was just like, I, I mean, I guess, sure, a, a, you can shoot birds and you can't, yeah, you can't shoot drowning, but like it just, <laughs> it just doesn't. What have you tried? I don't know. It just, <laughs> that was really stupid. Uh, I also thought it made sense in the movie that they change it so that basically everybody who's there watching her exam can see what she's doing in the simulation. Mm -hmm. In the book, it's mentioned that everybody just stands around and watches these people flail around <laughs> in a room. But then there's like three people in like the monitoring room who can actually see yeah. what her simulation looks like. I'm like, well, if they can do that, why wouldn't they just broadcast it? it I, whatever. I just makes sense in the movie that just everybody can see what she's going through I, I don't know yeah good change uh and then another little change in the fear simulation that they got rid of in the in the movie is that in the book two of the fear situations in a row are really just oh no i might drown yeah no i caught that too because i was like okay we had the crows and now she's in the water tank, and now she's in the ocean. In the ocean, also trying not to drown. Okay. It's literally, she's in a tank, trying not to drown. Then she's in the ocean, trying not to drown. They're slightly different, but it's similar enough that it just felt Stupid. weird and yeah. redundant. I, again, in the book, all of these fears represent something deeper. It's not a fear of crows. It's not a fear of drowning it's a fear of right. like other things they kind of describe and so the the water tank and the ocean are slightly different in that regard but at the same time they're so similar that visually it would look i just really dumb i also really liked the little fun twist of it seeming like she's out of the machine at the end and like for congratulating her mm -hmm. but then surprise it's the final part of the test where she yeah. has to kill her family yeah i yeah i really liked the fake out at yeah. the end yeah the 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 book does not do that um, I also they cut this scene that makes no sense and is irrelevant in the book, in my opinion, I think, I, unless there's some reason for it to be there. 
after she graduates, they get the serum injections in their neck and everything like that. Mm-hmm. They're celebrating at the, the the dining hall or whatever, and she stands up and she kisses four in front of everybody. She doesn't care anymore. She can they can show their relationship off because she's past whatever. Yeah. And the moment she kisses him, she like has this brain wave. <laughs> she has a brain blast. Yeah. She's like <laughs> and she realizes that the new serum that that they're working on is going to be used by the erudite to get the dauntless to fight abnegation or abnegation for the erudite and it just kind of comes out of nowhere and she just yeah. figures out the whole plot and then she tells four hey i need to tell you this thing i just figured out let's meet tonight and then it ne- they never get to meet because the plan goes into effect right before they can meet and so the book just tells us what's going to happen before it happens, but for no purpose other than, I guess, Triss now knows what's happening when it starts happening. She, like, can catch on quicker. I, it just, I, I, I don't know. The movie removes that scene because yeah. it's dumb and it, it doesn't was, make any sense, and I don't know why it's in the book. I don't understand why it's, it's just there. Her third eye opened, yeah. and she saw everything and the universe. Yeah, and... But for no, again, it doesn't do anything because <laughs> the plan goes into action before she can do anything right. about it. So, like, yeah. what is the point of that scene? Again, the only thing I can think is that, oh, so that way when it does start happening, it makes more sense that Triss can, like, quickly figure out what's going on and kind of fall in line. But yeah. you don't have to do that. She can I, just yeah. fall in line because she's I, not I stupid. I guess there's, I like... <sighs> A kind of dramatic irony in that they're not she's not able to stop it to stop it yeah. or like tell Tobias about it before it happens, but it it doesn't really it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah, that's the thing. It just felt like it didn't matter, and I'm like, oh, okay. What was the point of that? Um, I liked that the movie showed Eric uh kill another random divergent Dauntless I liked that a lot, yeah. who was not smart enough to imitate everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, he like they're they're walking through uh you know all the zombie in unison uh in ranks walking around and one of the divergents just like walks over and is like hey what's going on and Eric just shoots him in the head yeah uh and makes it very clear to Tris what's uh she needs to kind of you know stay in line and, and keep pretending yeah I thought that was a great little detail that yeah. didn't come from the book um I might have meant to put this in better in the book but that's fine I'll leave it here I'll accept this cheesy line um. <laughs> When uh, Eric is about to shoot four and he says, say goodbye, asshole. And then Triss is behind him oh. with her gun and she goes, goodbye. goodbye. Yeah. I was fine I'll with accept it. that one. It was fine. I was so glad that the movie could leave out the weird little fat phobic yeah, descriptions of Janine. Um, when they're like in her her office or whatever after they're captured after the after her and tobias are captured um we first get a description of like she's pudgy around she has a tight fitting dress and you can see the like a a roll of fat around her middle and initially i thought that was going to be because there are little hints here and there about like so erudite is spreading these rumors that abnegation is like hoarding resources but then there are other hints here and there that like maybe erudite is actually the one that's doing this. Oh. Because there's like there's a moment where Will is like uh I couldn't like I couldn't have a car because you guys are hoarding resources. Yeah. But then like 
Janine has like a fancy solar like car. solar powered car. Yeah. Um, and then she's got like a little bit of extra weight. So I was like, okay, maybe this okay, is like I guess that could a be little symbol doing. of like, oh, she's actually quite well fed. Yeah. But then almost immediately after that, Tris is like Ugh, she also has ugly stretch marks on her knees. Yeah, which is a weird, which is a weird place to have stretch yeah, marks. I don't know what that means. I don't know if I've ever seen somebody with stretch marks. Like, I, just, I mean, you can get stretch marks sure. anywhere. No, I know you can, but like, but but they're that? they're not particularly common on your implying? knees. I don't know. It's not like a place where you like gain a lot of weight and lose a lot of weight. Yeah, your knees. exactly. <laughs> that's the thing. That's exactly. Like, I thought was very strange, but like stretch mark on her knees. What is it? Okay, yeah. I don't know. But and I mean, that's also maybe even a little like ageist, honestly, because yeah. you tend to get stretch marks more as you're older. I don't know. Yeah, but I, 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 I like. Yeah, I, I don't agree. know. It was very strange. Yeah, I had the same note. I was like, I'm glad the movie drops all this weird body stuff with Janine. It just doesn't. I don't again. I, I think the only thing that would make any sense is what you're saying is if, oh, surprise, actually, the erudite are, are yeah. hoarding resources and are actually, you know, more well fed than they're pretending or blah. But yeah, that. The movie also doesn't go enough on that for that to even no. matter or for us to even think about that. So, Okay, we're to it. I mentioned this earlier. This is one of the big things for me, and this is very much a me thing. I will fully admit this. But the movie drops like all of the God stuff. And for me, that much improves it. Um, for me as well. Just from a personal perspective. Obviously, for some people that would not, you know, fair enough. Um, but the the book really surprisingly goes hard in the paint with its Christian messaging at the end. Yeah, and it kind of comes, or out I guess, of vaguely religious. It's, yeah. it, it feels almost out of nowhere because there are, you know, throughout the book there are some some kind of vaguely Christian themes. Yes, but it's very kind of vague throughout. And it's very allegorical, the first and subtextual, and three quarters. Yeah. And then all of the sudden, in the last quarter of the book, the persecution complex oh, yeah. just gushes all over the story. Oh, it comes in hard. Hard, hard. Like, it's, it's wild how, how much it, it all of a sudden just kind of comes out of nowhere. We get there one, and one of the most obvious ones, and I, we both had this line written down, uh, where Ariadite, or Janine is, I believe, talking... I think it's after they capture. Um, yeah, it's after they capture Tristan, Tristan and Tobias, Tobias, and she's and kind of them. having her villain monologue. Yeah, she's having her village villain villain monologue, and she says, "Why is it that most of the divergent are weak willed, God fearing nobodies from abnegation?" I was like, yeah. "All right, so we're definitely okay. uh, getting the like you said, the big Christian persecution vibes here. The big smart erudites, the yeah. brainy." The big evil intellectuals yes. are are out to kill all of the innocent, God fearing free, free thinkers. Yes, and it, it's it's giving very much like my kid went to college and got indoctrinated with liberal ideas. Yes, although in this instance, uh, Veronica Roth wrote this while in college as a Christian. Mm. So I think what this is is I went to college. A bunch of people. I, I I maybe got teased a little bit for how Christian I was. Yeah. And by some of my, you know, um, <laughs> some of my colleagues who were very, you know, considered themselves very intelligent or whatever. 
uh, you know, like some of the academics and stuff were maybe giving her some grief for 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 her faith, or I, I don't know. But that is a little bit what it maybe yeah. feels more like. Yeah, I mean, like just I mean, just the whole idea yes. of like this setup of like the the more conservative, like religious traditional against oh yeah the like um liberal intellectual education minded elitist yeah yeah. absolutely yeah abnegation is quintessential like uh ascetic um religious lifestyle Mm -hmm. of like meager they they, part of their indoctrination ceremony they literally wash feet of yes or, or I say induction, induction, induction ceremony. The elders wash the feet of the new inductees yeah. or whatever. Like it's, it's yeah. Again, it's not subtle, and and yeah, and they, but they're all very religious, and that is something she gets a little bit of grief for here and there in the in the book, and um and yeah, she never thinks about or talks about religion at all, and then all of a sudden at the end, it's like I said, this the villain is monologuing about how you know why why are they all why are all the divergent God fearing nobodies and. uh she also like at one point she when she thinks she's gonna drown after she gets captured and put in that room, uh, she starts thinking about God and she's like happy thinking about how happy she that she didn't murder Eric earlier because now yeah. she can get into heaven. And then the same thing when she faces off with Tobias later, she gives him the gun and like starts like imagining going to heaven and it's just like what and is it just kind of comes out of nowhere. It feels like it comes out of nowhere. Like like the intensity of it. Yes. And the 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 saturation yeah. of it really comes out of nowhere in the last quarter of this book. I was not prepared. For no. It. And then her, like her mom has a line later. I think it's her mom who says this, uh, like she says, human beings as a whole cannot be good for long before the bad creeps back in and poisons us again. And I, I was like, Whoa, that's, that's giving like big, like original sin. Like humans are inherently evil vibes in this book which is weird because that was not the vibe that i got from the first three quarters of the book yeah that is her mom who says that she goes you're my daughter i don't care about the factions look where they got us human beings as a whole cannot be good for long before the bad creeps back in and poisons us again yeah Yeah. absolutely that is uh, original sin type of yes thinking that is coming from um, yeah like predestination shit because i was making sure that wasn't janine saying that but it's not that yeah. is absolutely uh her mom who is held up as kind of a paragon of virtue in mm-hmm. this story uh at least to some extent and yeah it's yeah it's it just comes hard and fast at the end here and i uh, not prepared it for smacked it. me in the face and we we talked about in the prequel about how you know this this is uh series is you know admired at least to some extent by religious groups Christ- christian groups and stuff like that are are fans of it because of it but but what we read and discussed sounded like it was all more because of allegorically it's mm-hmm. kind of you know alluding to some christian themes and allegories and stuff like that and ideas and which it is but yeah i was i was like oh and also it's just literally like becomes a christian book at the yeah. end like it, you didn't mention that part that at the end is just like <laughs> oh by the way Love God. God's great. I believe in God. I love. I can't wait to get to heaven. Uh, the, the, the uh, also, uh, the intellectual d- elites are going to kill us. They're evil. They hate uh, us because we believe in God. And they're yeah. It's like what? Is, what? what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I was just ill prepared. <laughs> ill prepared for that. Uh, and yeah, and the movie uh, largely kind of 
the movie, the movie just kind of is like, we're just going to put that over Let's here. put that over here, yeah. And not think about it. I feel it. like they would have had to fight Veronica Roth about that. I don't, I don't not. know. Maybe, I mean, she's not an Erica, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps not. She, she was in this, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, I, I think I, I saw something about that. I've, I don't know how I didn't mention that in the prequel, but she's one of the random Dauntless initiates. Yeah. Nameless kind of in the thing. She looks a little bit like... Um, that actress who plays uh who played Batgirl for a while on the CW Rose something oh yeah 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 the picture I saw of her she has short hair and she looked like that actress yeah. a little bit no but. I saw I saw a picture of her because I was I was googling trying to figure out if she had any tattoos well, and, and she does put, in like, that one they picture. put some fake ones, put some on, some her, fake ones on her like some henna movie. tattoos yeah. or something yeah yeah. Uh, I, I like in, in the movie, uh, so it, it happens in the book and the movie, Triss's mom shows up and is a badass and saves her. But in the movie, I like the subtle change. In the book, they take her to some room where they're going to drown her in a tent. Yeah. It's just like, what are we, okay, because it's her fear, I guess. Making it like unnecessarily complicated. Unnecessarily complicated. I like in the movie, they just like take her outside and they're just going to shoot her. Yeah. And the, like they, they, are just, they take her out back. Yeah, like they're going to, like they're doing to all the other abnegation people. It makes total sense. Uh, and also it makes sense that her mom is there because yes. that's their neighborhood and like her, they're kind of like hiding there or whatever. So her mom shows up and kills everybody and saves her. Thought that makes a lot more sense than having her like find her in the compound. I don't even remember how they explain it in the book. Cause yeah, it, it, there's some explanation, but it's, it's just felt like unnecessary. The movie's version made more sense. Uh, her mom's death scene. Oh yeah. Way better in the movie. Way better. Like having her mom die in her arms yeah and Tris is like screaming at the people to stop shooting and yeah. she doesn't want to oh, she doesn't want to leave her mom's body behind it's awful it's awful and it's really good way more effective oh yeah it's one of the few moments in the movie where it's like okay this is the level of like duh like yeah. intensity and 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 brutality gut and gut-wrenching that a lot of this movie should have been um but they they landed on that scene like holy cow yeah, yeah. That, that scene was incredibly well acted incredibly well done just terrible or terrible in the sense of like it makes you feel terrible because in the book it feels like she barely reacts <laughs> which is another thing the next moment after that is when she finally finds her brother and and father it, it, where they're hiding it takes forever for her to get to mentioning that to get around to mentioning, to mentioning that by the oh way, by the way mom mom's died. dead but it's like the in the movie they change it to be like the first thing and they they yeah, like they actually obviously 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 it takes forever to get to it in the book i was like what are we nobody good caring where your wife and mom is like like caleb and and the dad just don't really seem to care that much and then when she does tell him they kind of barely react again i think this might be a little bit of like this is what the stoic abnegation yeah mindset is but it just doesn't the movie's version just feels way more yeah. natural. But it ends up feeling, I think, very odd in the book, because even if that is supposed to be like an abnegation thing, the book doesn't do a good enough job of setting that up. No. So, no. Uh, we mentioned this moment earlier, but when she does shoot Peter in the arm, there's a great line that is not in the book where he's like, it's not like you're going to shoot me. And she goes, why do people keep saying that? And then shoots him in the arm. <laughs> I like that a lot. She says something similar in the book. She's like, why do people keep underestimating my character or something yeah. like that? But I just like, why do people keep saying that? And then shoots him. 
Uh, I, I also, um, so the big final climax where she busts into the th room and Tobias is there. Uh, I like the one that we don't, in the book, we see him get injected and he attacks Triss when they're first captured. Mm -hmm. And the movie does not do that. It They take him away to go inject him somewhere else. And then when she finds him, she runs up to him to like rescue him. And then it's kind of like a reveal. Oh no, he's yeah turned or whatever i liked that in the movie more but also i like having janine and all of her henchmen there yes um in this big climax because it leads to a, a bunch of a big fun fight scene and villain monologue and all sorts of stuff that we don't really get in the mm -hmm. in the in the book yeah i thought having the control room being full of erudite just made sense yeah um just baseline made yeah. sense i will say the movie did the thing where they all just like stand around and watch them fight which I know movies do all the time, but sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't. And this was a time that it didn't work for me. I, it worked for me. I thought it looked dumb. I It worked for me because I, I totally bought the idea. I agree that it often doesn't. But in this one, I bought the idea that Janine had her men not attacking because she specifically wanted to test this serum and see if she if it if it worked to the extent that that if, if she would know that if 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 Tobias could go through with killing Triss mm -hmm. while under the effects of the serum, this serum works. That's fair. And so she's yeah, letting I didn't that consider that. She's letting that play out. And then if if it if it did go awry, which it does, then she's gonna have her dudes right. take care of it. So I, I actually thought it worked in that instance that they all just kind of stand around and watch because, again, it's like they're like, this is a good this is like the ultimate test. Like, like let's see if the serum actually works. But it, I, I can see it, you could it does look a little cheesy because they're all just kind of standing in the background watching. Like, Why don't you just shoot her? But I thought there was a motivation behind it that made it make sense. Um, and I also like having him there so that when he does snap out of it. We get a big fun fight scene where they right. run around yeah. fighting everybody. Wailing on dudes. Yeah. I liked that Triss's knife throwing skills came back yeah. at the end of the movie. Because um, we see in, in both the book and the movie that she she kind of gets a feel for it. And she's like practicing yeah. throwing them in that one in scene. Book? It's Yeah, I, yeah, I thought it Because in the book she's like terrible it. at it at first, but I don't remember well, she, her getting good she, at it. She, like, she's able to like practice it. To a point where, like, by the end of it, she's able to get them in the target. No, I, believe, I just didn't remember that. So, yeah. um, so we see her kind of get, like, yeah. a feel for it. Um, but it doesn't ever come back in the book. So I like that it came back yeah. at the end here in the movie. Yeah. Uh, I So this is controversial because I don't know which way I would... <sighs> well, I felt the same way that you did I don't know how this. to do with this one. I get why the movie would have them use the serum... To force Janine to shut down the program. Yes. I get it. I like this. I like. And I and I like it. Yeah, I agree with you. I like the dramatic moment. I like how he tosses it to her. They dose her and then she shuts it down because they can't shut it down. It's very satisfying. It's yeah. a big, fun, dramatic climax. But it but doesn't make any does sense. Does it make any sense? I don't think it makes sense. No. Because why would that make her subject to Triss's commands? It would not. It wouldn't. She no. would become part of the program yes. that all of the Dauntless are in. Yes. That, that 100%. The, the serum does not make you suggestible to like a person talking to you. At least yeah. it has never functioned uh, uh, yeah, that's, that that's way. And it is not functioning that way, seemingly. Never been implied. It's seemingly not functioning that way in the rest of the dauntless like they're being controlled by this computer <laughs> essentially yeah. but for some reason when they dose her 
Tris can just be like, okay, shut it down. And she goes, okay, and does it. I'm just like, well, that's not. Yeah. But I like the climax here more than Tobias just shutting it down. I agree. You know, like the what the movie does is fun and it's satisfying. And we see Janine get like a little taste of her own medicine. Literally. Yeah. But also like with the logic that you've set up. It doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make sense. And I think the movie said, who cares? And you know what? Fine. I'll give you that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, a little detail, but I, I, I don't remember. Unless I'm misremembering this. I don't believe Tobias says that he loves her at the end. Maybe he does in that fight and I missed it. But on the train is in the book is when they say it. Like they say, mm-hmm. I love you to each other. I like skipping that for now. Saving that for yeah. later. It doesn't really matter one way or the other. Uh, and I also just like the closing line in the movie that is not in the book where she says, like, we'll ride the train to the end of the line, then we'll jump. Um, you know, she she basically setting up this unknown future. We don't know where we're going from here, but it's, you know, exciting and kind of who knows what could come next. Uh, the, the movie or the book ends similarly. They're riding the train, uh, but we get like a much longer kind of denouement. And then there's also a moment where they like sit and make out for like, five minutes and she's like i don't even care that my brother's watching we're just making out like, yeah what, is, cool. what are we doing Ugh. this is weird why did you even bring that up yeah <laughs> why, yeah I, I just i thought the movie's ending was cleaner and simpler and just yeah kind of for better. sure <laughs> but oh okay oh boy gotta get skin late we gotta wrap this up it's time to talk about what the movie nailed as i expected Practically perfect in every way. Uh, so, uh, little details. We're going to slam through this. We always do this with the movie Nailed, because there's not usually not a lot to, like, talk about in the movie Nailed, so much as just comparing a lot of the little details that the movie, you know, nailed. That's yeah. the point. Um, so, the little sliding mirror, the single mirror in their house that mm-hmm. is behind a sliding panel that they only use on haircutting day, exactly out of the book. Uh, the testing room that she goes to take the aptitude test and Tori and the serum, all of that was kind of exactly how I imagined it. Uh, and then also we get uh, the early setup uh, rumors and stuff of Marcus mistreating his son. It's, it's mentioned, which yeah. is also kind of mentioned in the book to kind of set that up. Uh, Caleb tells her um, when she chooses, uh, think of family, but also you should think of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, the choosing ceremony, yeah, pretty much spot on. Five bowls. Uh, they cut themselves and drip their blood into the bowls. It's kind of melodramatic AF. Yeah, for no the, real reason. The only real difference <laughs> is that the room in the book is described as like this. At least in my memory is that the stage is like in the middle and it's like in the round, mm-hmm. whereas this is like a half circle. Yeah. but it looks basically it's, it's like almost what, in the round, almost like but what not you, quite. Yeah, it's pretty much what you would imagine. Uh, Caleb unexpectedly choosing erudite. Yep. Uh, Tris jumping first. Uh, she meets four. She picks the name Tris for herself. This is a little detail we have to discuss real quick. He says to her, pick a good one. When she's he's like, what's your name? And she's like, uh, and she doesn't say it. And then he goes, well, pick a good one. You don't get to pick again. Yeah. And this Except. we nailed. We put this in the movie, nailed it because this does not make sense in the book or the movie. How does four become four if that's the case? Yeah. Because he clearly got the name four much later in initiation. The only thing I can think, yeah, because he, we find out it's because of the fears. He has four fears. He only has four fears. Which you wouldn't have found out till like the third stage of the initiation or whatever. The only thing I can think is that if you continue using your normal name, you can pick a new name, but you don't, maybe you don't have to do it right when you get there. Maybe you can wait and Tobias waited and then got the name four. 
Yeah, maybe. But that doesn't make it. That's know. not that's not what the book it implies. It doesn't make sense. That's not what is implied by the movie in the book. It, to me, it seems like you, you can kind of pick your name when you get there uh, and or whatever. I don't know. It, it just seemed weird. Although, does anybody else change their name or is it only her? I don't think so. Not that we know of. Okay, so then maybe he's just being weird. Maybe that's not I like mean, a real rule or anything. He's just like, I would buy that he's just being a weirdo in that moment. It feels in that moment like it's like a weird rule that Dauntless has that you like yes. when you get there, you can like you can like re- rechristen yourself. Yeah. And I guess but yeah, but I don't think anybody else does that. Not that we know not of. Not that we know of at least. Yeah. Everybody else other than four. Right. But like everybody else just seems to have their normal name. Yeah. Well, and I felt like it was implied too that he didn't pick the name yeah, for it, for the himself. Name, the name is applied to him. Yeah, because it's so impressive that he only has. Four yeah, and fears. he actually doesn't really like the name that much, seemingly, because he doesn't want to use it eventually yeah. in the book. It's all know. very strange. I don't know. That feels like a thing she wrote, and then because he thought it was cool in the moment, and then didn't really like. Yeah, this kind of whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh, Four and Triss's dynamic throughout the film I thought was pretty spot on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a great little exchange early on that is from the book where he's like, she's like, he's like, what do you think you think you can talk to me that way? And she's like, it's because you're so approachable. I like that. Um, I will say in, in both the book and the movie, I really hope the faction lists get explored more. I think they will. Because yeah. right now in both, they're kind of just a caricature of unhoused people. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, okay. I, I agree. I, I will say that I preferred the movie's quick shot of their like, camp yeah to triss's interaction with the factionless man in the book i thought the movie felt much more sympathetic it's definitely more sympathetic i think the book is also sympathetic but that you do get that one interaction i think think the book is sympathetic overall but that major interaction is not great yeah uh there's one particular moment i wrote this down because it was in the trailer (laughs) And I know I wrote it down. I saw it and I read it in the book and I was like, oh, this is such classic YA romance stuff. And then it cracked me up as I was editing the prequel. The exact shot I had written the note down for like the day before was in the trailer. So I was like, I I, not only did I know it, the, the movie makers knew it and whoever cut the trailer knew how important this moment was. And it's Triss getting super excited at the feeling of Four's gigantic hands on her rib cage, and how she notes that she, it can touch both sides of her rib cage. It's just such a specific detail yeah. about yeah the horny hand touch. Yes, it just I was like okay, and yep, it's in the trailer. It's in the movie. It's when they're training. He like touches her. Yeah, whatever. Um, and also he like negs her into getting better over the course of the book yeah. and the movie. Um. Uh, the whole knife scene with Al, uh, he's bad at it. Yeah. Um, and Tris like takes his place and lets four throw knives at her. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. uh, the propaganda piece about abnegation and Tris's parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, the whole Navy yeah. Peter Ferris wheel scene is yeah, pretty Ferris much identical. Ferris wheel scene. Uh, the uh, the scene with the crows I mentioned earlier is pretty good, except she doesn't chomp its head off, which was disappointing or mm-hmm. uh, or good, depending on, you know. I mean, I wouldn't want to see that, I guess. I know. That's fair. I, I, I like crows, too. I just whatever. Uh, the water <laughs> tank simulation was exactly yeah. what happens mm-hmm. with everybody like whispering and staring at her while she drowns in the water. Uh, she finds out that Tori, the tattoo artist, knows about divergence because they killed her brother for yep. being divergent. Yep. That whole story was pretty much identical. Yep. Um, Al commits suicide. Uh, both the book and the movie imply that Triss is partly to blame for not forgiving him. Yeah. 
Uh, a detail that I thought was I put in better in the book just because I thought it was interesting mm -hmm. is that uh, we see kind of these different perspectives on suicide where abnegation views suicide as selfish. Uh, and that's kind of where Triss is coming from. But Dauntless like celebrates it. They're like celebrate Al as being very brave and, and, and suicide is like the ultimate brave leap into the unknown. I thought that was an interesting dynamic yeah. to discuss the movie drops it i think for reasonable reasons yeah uh but I, reading the book i thought that was it was interesting uh the overall vibe of the scene where she visits caleb is pretty spot on he's more bought into erudite's propaganda than he is in the book but that works but overall that seems pretty much identical uh when she discovers tris discovering where four's nickname came from and that he's tobias and the whole scene with marcus is like identical where there's like a bunch of them in a circle and she stops them from hitting them and all that sort of stuff uh fours factor tattoos down his back yep. uh, he has faction. a two faction <laughs> Fa well, okay yeah faction tattoos um and he, he says i don't want to be just one thing mm -hmm. yep uh scene where they all get the tracking devices um and then she wakes up everybody's a zombie so she has to pretend to be a zombie as yeah. well yeah that's all identical and that the whole tracking device in the graduates big mark of the beast energy that was yes. one of the moments that was very yeah okay i see what we're doing here with your uh, christian allegory the the little detail of tobias taking her hand in the train and that being the thing that makes her know that he is divergent and not mm -hmm. a zombie and you know kind of them holding hands on the train uh the standoff with eric where they all pull guns on each other and then uh them running away and escaping and tris getting shot again kind of a small detail but in the in the movie she's she kind of gets grazed in the arm by the bullet and seems fine yeah in the book she gets shot through the shoulder and is like struggling to stand and is like bleeding out again yeah. a very similar thing to the rest of the movie where they just kind of tone down the amount of <laughs> violence and brutality throughout the course of it uh, she does have to shoot Will. We yep. talked about that. Yep. Uh, the movie, I think, nail <laughs> kind of equally nails the clumsy way her dad just also immediately and unceremoniously dies. Yes. <laughs> it's just like because the movie improved upon her mom's uh, yes. death scene. It I, nailed the dad's death scene. It just kind of happens, and like in the movie, she similarly just kind of sees him dead and just like, okay, moving yeah. on. And it's like, what? <laughs> so strange it played out so weird and clunky in both of them i was like all right i guess we just don't really care about the dad uh and then the train escape at the end is basically identical where they hop on the train um other than some little details but they hop on the train right into the sunset to go to amity to to, to yep. hide or yep. whatever yep all right let's get to a few odds and ends Uh, so there's a little detail early where they say that the ancestors decided that it wasn't race, religion, or other stuff like that that, that was that was the root of war, but in fact that it's human personalities that are the problem. And I was like, okay, but like those other things are part of the other thing. Like those yeah. all seem interconnected in a way. I mean, I would think so. It just it felt like a weird arbitrary <laughs> distinction. And the whole premise of the world was kind of tough for me to swallow that they divide up into these weird like personality yeah. traits. I just it just it, 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 it not to get too into it, but comparing it to the Hunger Games, the Hunger Games world makes perfect sense. Yeah, like the way that everybody's subdivided. Yes. Makes kind sense. Of, kind of makes sense in a weird dystopian way. In yeah. this one, I just 
didn't really well and, buy... and the hunger games i think makes sense in a way that is intuitive yeah like once you understand the basic premise you're like okay i get what's going on here yeah this uh, i did not find particularly intuitive um the way that the world is set up and i like i just want to talk about like the world building oh yeah and like because the way that the world is so vague and it's like vague in a way that doesn't work like we get little bits and pieces of things here and there and i know this is the first book in a trilogy but I I still strongly feel like we needed a little bit more of something concrete in this book that explains more about the world that we're in. Yes, I agree. Like cuz we get like we get a lot of little bits and pieces here and there. Like there's one point where I think somebody says the word murderer and Triss is like I have not heard that word in a long time. We never have murders. And I'm like, what is this lore? Well, it's specifically that abnegation doesn't have murderers. Is it? Yes. Okay. That one, at least I can explain. I remember that she says it's that abnegation hasn't had a murder in X whatever, because they don't, they literally just don't murder people. Okay. I think. Then, then there's the whole thing of like, what is outside the city that they're guarding the city from and the lock on the, the outside of the fence and not yeah. the inside. And then there's more about, like, the landscape and Tris at one point, like, so Lake Michigan is a swamp. It's a bog. And so, like, a bog. And, like, Tris is, like, it's hard to imagine that much water in one place. And I'm, like, is this supposed to take place, like, post-climate disaster? I think it is. Or, like, nuclear war or... Well, they say war at one point. I do think it is supposed to be post-climate disaster as well, maybe. Although, yeah, I... Yeah, I think part of the problem is that I I agree that uh, I guess uh, I I have a hard time. I mean, one of my biggest complaints is the world building. Some of these things I don't mind because I feel I I, at least I'm I'm hoping that this stuff will be expanded on and fleshed out more as we go. And that some of these things that seem kind of like just weird, like mysteries that we're not really getting enough information on are intentionally so and that we will find out more as we go. Um, but that being said, I still feel like there, the world building doesn't, it just didn't, it's, it's thin. Yeah. And it's, it's weird and it's kind of hard to describe because there's so much going on with the world building that I almost feel incorrect to describe it as thin. Yeah. It is weird. But it is thin. Like there's, there's nothing concrete that all of this stuff is resting on. And the little details that we get about why the world is the way that it is. And it's not that I necessarily mind that we don't know every single thing, but it all feels very disparate to me, like like a lot of different ideas. It, that, I think that's the big thing is that it, it doesn't it feels like the world building was done piecemeal as she went. Yes. As opposed to like deciding what the world she wanted to set this in should be or what it was like what yeah. the, what, what what the state of the world that this story existed in was I, I don't think she figured that out ahead of time or at least it doesn't feel like it but instead she she started writing and then started 
layering on things. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, it stacks up in a way that just doesn't feel like it fits together. Or maybe that it doesn't fit together. It's just... It feels wobbly. Yeah, it just doesn't have... Yeah, it doesn't feel grounded in a... It doesn't feel grounded in anything. It is tough. It is really hard to describe because there's a lot of world building, but it doesn't feel like there is. Yeah. I don't know. I, I had the same thought and complaint throughout the book that the world building did not work for me, but it is hard to say why, because it's not like it's non-existent. Like, it's not yeah. like it's not there. It's just, I don't know. It's not particularly good. Yeah, I agree. I just, I wish I had a more concrete way to explain why it wasn't so I know. good. I, I know. Um, another thing that I, I'm hoping is expanded on later um, is that Triss at one point wonders what older Dauntless members do. Like, because they're always jumping off of trains and oh, yeah. off of buildings and down into pits. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm also wondering about elderly Dauntless. What are they up to? Um, and this just never came back around in the book. So I'm kind of hoping that gets expanded on later. I'm sure that will later. get expanded on. Like I said, it is tough to, to I try not to be too critical of some of this stuff in the first book. Because right. Because it's very possible that a lot of this stuff does get expanded on later. Yes. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah and I, I, I acknowledge that. I'm just, yeah. No. <laughs> like I said, I had this, I had the same <coughs> complaints to some extent. Um, another thing that I wanted to bring up is that in the book, uh, abnegation like runs the government. Yeah. The this the city is ruled by a council composed of representatives from abnegation. And it's supposed to be that they're like because they're so like selfless and good. Right. So they're the ones <clears throat> that run the government. Um but that I read that and I was like, okay, like no wonder people don't like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> like I am sorry, but it and, and the book kind of like holds this up as like, oh, they're being so unfair. They don't like us. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I can see why you guys are out here making all the rules. Yeah. Like, I get it. Maybe it's not fair, but I get it. Also, your world seems like it kind of sucks. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, it seems like maybe some of that is not on them because, yes, maybe it is post climate disaster where resources yeah. are thin. But again, it's hard to tell. Yeah. They seem like they have a lot of big farms out in Yeah, they're like farming and there's like a brief mention of like genetically modified meat. Is there? I don't yes, remember that at all. Close to the beginning of the book. Um there's some mention of like uh people Triss is thinking about how like people used to object to genetically oh. modified food, but now there's no choice. Yeah. Um so yeah, I I, I don't know. But whatever. Yeah. Um, a little thing here. I love that at the beginning of the movie, um, she's in abnegation and it's very clearly wearing makeup. Yes. <laughs> at the beginning of this film, like very clearly has eyeshadow on. I'm like, I I can do natural appearing makeup better than that. Yeah. Come on, guys. Yeah. They Come don't on. Do, they don't do vanity, so they don't yes. do makeup just in case that wasn't clear. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a little there's a conversation she has that uh that or not conversation a thought that when al comes on to tris she has a thought to herself that she couldn't be attracted to anyone that fragile because al has been crying and having nightmares uh and like crying in his sleep um and uh, later on uh he 
he says like he doesn't want to hurt people and she tells him that not wanting to hurt people doesn't make him a coward but to herself she doesn't actually believe that Mm -hmm. and i'm really interested to see where her opinion on this goes and i can firmly say at the end of the book one i have no idea what yeah where this is going if if we're supposed to agree or disagree with her for how she thinks and feels about al and al and his like disposition and i i don't know if we're supposed to think al is a coward or not i don't know i just i don't know yet and it's along the lines of some of the other stuff like morally in this book that i'm just not sure yeah. <laughs> give it time to shake out in yeah future books. I, yeah I'm, I'm willing to see how it shakes out in the next two books but it does feel like there's a lot of things like that where it feels very muddled yeah and i'm not sure what we're supposed to be taking away from it yeah and I think I think I think ultimately it is going to be that, you know, she was a little bit wrong in this instance and in that uh, her 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 dislike of Al for his vulnerability and his fragility and stuff like that was was at least somewhat unfair. But also it is good to be I, again, it's it's all going to come back to the idea that like like what four says, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be just one thing. I want to be kind. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Obviously, yeah, yeah. that is going to be kind of the moral thesis i think of this is that you should be all these things uh, and all of them in kind of equal and measured amounts or whatever but i don't know anyways i thought it was interesting that the movie like swapped tris and christina's body types i don't remember their descriptions of their body how can enough. you how can you forget that tris has is scrawny and small and has the body of a child. It's described on like every I remember page. the body of a child thing, but I guess I didn't think that the book harps on it. I knew she was like small, but is Shailene Woodley not small? She's taller. Okay. I'll take I don't I didn't pay attention to that. I don't know. I don't It just it struck me because Tris in the book is constantly described as being like very small and very short. And Christina is always described as being really tall. <clears throat> and then in the movie, Tris is like much taller than Christina. That's so interesting. I You could have gone to my head <laughs> which one of these characters is described as taller in the book. And I would have been like, I have no idea. I don't know. I mean, I get how you could miss Christina's descriptions. I don't know how you missed The Chris. only thing I remember, I remember because I had a note about it at one point was that she felt like her body was childlike or something towards the end of the book, like Tris said, but I just don't, I don't know. I don't, for whatever reason, that's that's just not something that stuck with me at all. (laughs) Uh, I had a prediction early on in the book that ended up not coming true. And I was a little bit disappointed when I was trying to figure out where four got his name. Mm. I was thinking that that he was divergent and that four was going to be the number of factions that Uh. he like Tris got three. She got erudite dauntless and abnegation yeah i was thinking he was gonna have had four factions on his aptitude test and that was why he was that would be a very bold nickname that's what Uh, i thought yeah considering he's dauntless he is bold yeah keep it a secret i thought that would have been fun it's his (laughs) number of fears and i'm like okay i guess i guess um speaking of four uh theo james very good in this movie uh still looks like a franco to me yep handsome um absolutely a long lost franco brother mm-hmm. um all of the other boys though i i could not tell 
all those white brunette boys Dude, they all look apart. identical. I, and I realized I, I have 100% typed that exact sentence before somewhere yes. in episode notes, but I don't remember what episode it was. Um, but Will, I believe Peter, it was another summer series, but and I Al remember. all look like the exact same person. Yeah. That drove me insane. Yeah. They, they were too similar. No, no, I, I, you're not. No, they looked identical. Well, Peter, I could tell because I knew that was Miles Teller. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like he, cause I, he was the only actor I recognized of those. So I like, I knew Peter, but the other two will and drew or Peter or will and Al or whatever. And there was one other one, I think maybe it was drew or somebody. They all could have been the exact same person yeah. and I would never have known. I, yeah. Could not tell at all. I mentioned earlier, but I, I still also, I think this is one of the failings of the world building to me. One of the biggest ones, I truly do not understand what level of tech this world has. Yeah. And it's they have like some future tech, some future tech, but also they seem like fairly. But limited. also, yeah, it seems like they've like they're gone back very, in some yes, ways. It seems very resource limited. Yeah. But they also have like super fancy computers that can create these incredible simulations and stuff. Yeah. But they, it just it, it just I don't know. I, I couldn't. I was like, what are. Yeah. Uh, there is a particular line in the book. Um. I think four says this. Uh, he's, he's talking to Triss about like the factions and about being divergent. And he says, they want you to think a certain way so that you're easy to understand. And I was like, okay, I get why teenagers like this. Yeah. I get it. Obviously. I understand. Yeah. Uh, there's a moment in the book where four grabs uh, Triss's chin mm-hmm. and he's like, my first instinct is to push you until you break just to see how hard I have to press. And this wasn't the only moment, but this is this was the thing I said earlier. That was a growing realization of me that everybody compared this book series to The Hunger Games for obvious right. reasons. Post apocalyptic dystopia. Yeah. And, and it came out right on the tail, right of on the, the tail Games. of it. You got a female lead who's, you know, in a post apocalyptic thing with like weird groups of people and weird yeah. arbitrary rules. And it's kind of a futury, but also re- regressive society where some of it's like a great like it, there are similarities abound. But this series, as the more I read this book, it's like, this isn't The Hunger Games. This is Twilight. <laughs> it's Twilight. This series feels way more like Twilight than it ever feels like The Hunger Games to me. Uh, and part yeah. of that's because I think The Hunger Games is a far superiorly written mm-hmm. book. And this is much more in line with the quality of yes. Twilight. I would I, actually I would, I would say tend to agree. I think this is a little bit better than Twilight. Maybe so far. Mm. First book, maybe. I can see an argument, but it's in the same echelon of <laughs> YA quality as Twilight, whereas I would say Hunger Games far exceeds both mm-hmm. of those series in terms of, of quality. But and then it, I wrote that. And then later there was a little detail towards the end of the book that just got me <laughs> where she has a line where she takes Four's hand for some reason and she thinks to herself herself. His fingers are cold and brittle. And I was like, he's a vampire. This is this is every description of Edward's hands when she holds it. What is happening? It's wild. Um, there was one thing that I noticed that also reminded me of Twilight, which was uh, there was this recurring thing in the first part of the book about uh, the way that people perceive Triss not aligning with the way that she perceives herself. Yeah. Where she thinks she's like not very good and not very interesting. And, not and very then attractive. yeah. And not very attractive. And then the other the people around her are like, 
you're incredible. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't decide if it was bad writing or if it was good because we're in her perspective and can't see how others perceive her. Yeah. But overall, it reminded me of Twilight. Yes. To be fair, that also doesn't not apply to Katniss. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. But I think it works in The Hunger Games because The Hunger Games makes it specifically about how she looks. Whereas Twilight and this make it a little more nebulous, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. <laughs> so we stopped the movie to have a screaming fit about yes. this. <laughs> yes, we did. So Tobias, he's from Abnegation. Yeah. He's only two years older than Triss. Why doesn't she fucking know him? This makes literally no sense. Why doesn't she at least recognize him? This makes him? literally no it sense. It makes no sense. Their fathers work together. They would have been around each other all the time. She, she knows, would know that motherfucker. She knows everybody else in abnegation. Yeah. It seems like everybody, everybody else. else, but not this Two guy. Two years apart. It's it. I I didn't realize this upon reading the book, but when you we were watching the movie and you said that, I was like, "Holy shit, you're right." How? In Why the world? doesn't she know him? That makes no sense. That had to be a complete oversight. Yeah, I just don't understand how it's I, anything there's other no than explanation it. for it. Unless, and the book doesn't even try to like hand wave it away. Unless he left when he was so young that she was so young but it sounds like he chose dauntless yeah. at 16 yes not like ran away no. to dauntless when he was like seven which or something. i and i mean i guess this I is never addressed in the world but i get the vibe that you couldn't no i would agree and it sounded like because i swear they said he chose dauntless yes which would mean at the ceremony when 16 i like i said the only possible explanation i can think of is that somehow he ran away when he was like five and she was like a little kid and so never knew you know what i mean that, yeah the only I, possible way it makes any sense but the movie does or the book and the movie none of no at least in this one does not address that unless i completely miss something but i don't think that it I, does i don't know but if i if i were to ever meet veronica roth i would be like answer for your crimes <laughs> I'm sure it's addressed on a wiki somewhere. <laughs> it has to be. There's not like, we're not the first. Know we're not the first people no. to think of that. No way. No, but it drove me insane. Yeah, uh, you mentioned the solar car earlier, but during that scene when she's in it, she asks the driver about the car, mm -hmm. and then he starts explaining it like what it is, and she says she gets bored and stops listening after like 30 seconds. Yeah. And it's such a strange it's moment. So I'm like, weird. what am I supposed to get? Like, why was why'd you include this? Yeah. Am I supposed to think that solar powered cars are boring nerd stuff? Or like what <laughs> and like what am I supposed to get out of this? Am I supposed to I it's, just it's because she she's dauntless now, so she's too cool to care about science. I guess. It was a weird moment. Uh also some I always notice little things like this, recurring writers things. I think it happens at least three or four times in this book, which is a striking number for a, such a strange comparison to me. So many times she uses the reference point of the size of a fingernail mm -hmm. to describe the size of something in the distance. She says that this, the, the, this thing over there was the size of a fingernail. And I'm like, what is that a common? <laughs> I, I don't know. Also, she always describes water as feeling soft. Just not a word I use to describe like when water is like 
pouring up, coming up her legs yeah. in the water tank and stuff. She's like, it feels soft against my legs. And I'm like, that's not how I describe it's water. It's an odd way to describe water. I, to me. It just feels a little strange. I don't know. I don't, I don't think I'd ever describe water that way. I'm not saying it's like bad or anything. It's just, just an interesting, again, this is a little yeah. like writing quirk that I thought was interesting. Again, this is not necessarily criticism. It's just, just a thing I noticed. Uh, a little detail you mentioned earlier about like the candor smoking and stuff, candor smoking and yeah. stuff. Uh, there's another one that I thought was very funny that the erudite apparently wear fake glasses to make themselves look smart. Yes. That's such a dumb. <laughs> it's so stupid. But here's what's funny about it to me is that she was writing this book in like 2011 or whenever. Oh, and people did that. Which was yeah. like peak when people were wearing like big thick-rimmed fake glasses. So one of the kids in her class who made fun of her for believing in God, she found out <laughs> wore fake glasses, so she added that line to her book is what happened. <laughs> Feel pretty confident. Ooh, yeah, <sighs> probably. Um, okay, my last note here is a line that I just thought was very funny. Uh, Tris thinks to herself, I am someone who does not let inconsequential things like boys and near-death experiences stop her. And I kind of unironically love that and want it on a tote bag. It's pretty great. I'm not going to lie. It was a good, that was a good line. <laughs> it was a very good line. I enjoyed it. All right. That's it for all of that stuff. It's time for Brian and Katie to predict the Divergent trilogy. It's going to happen, Edward. I've seen it. All right, my first prediction. Uh, I think all mine are pretty reasonable. I can't remember. I'll see. My first prediction, Triss and Tobias get married in the next book in an Ooh. intimate ceremony at the Amity Farms, primarily so they can fuck without facing God's wrath. <laughs> Be good Christians. <laughs> I like the idea of a farm wedding, uh, yeah. especially a farm wedding that somebody dreamed up circa 2012. Love that. Yeah. Uh, my first prediction um, is that Erudite will be able to get to Kandor first, uh, give them their version of the story, um, while surviving abnegation, uh, reach Amity first. So uh, then the remaining Dauntless are split between the two sides, and we have like an all-out civil war on our hands. I think that's going to be the main plot of book two. That sounds pretty pretty reasonable. I think my only note about that would be I think it's possible that... <sighs> It's less of a equal civil war only because the next book is called Insurgent. Okay. Yeah. And they would be like insurgents. There's like usually like a small faction of like rebels like, or yeah. something. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that would be my only, but I do think that makes a lot of sense. I think that could still be the case. I, I don't think it necessarily, I think she just wanted to maintain the naming convention more than anything, but who knows? We'll see. <laughs> Uh, my second prediction is that Janine crafts a plan to put all of the factionless into an endless simulation and use them as free laborers. Mm. Uh, and then adding on to that in the movie, I don't know if this is going to, I don't know if she has a hand injury in the book. I don't recall this, but in the movie, she got the knife through the hand. Right. I think this will be a lot of fun. In the movie, she gets a sick robo hand to replace Ooh. her stabbed one. And ultimately, and this is down the road, this is my Hail Mary. Tobias hacks it somehow because we know he's good at computers and she strangles herself with her Whoa. own technological because it's like the, the ultimate downfall of the erudite, their technology yes. killing them. Turns against them. She strangles herself with her own <laughs> robo hand. Uh, my next prediction is that Christina 
will initially join Triss and her band of rebels, uh, but then finds out that Triss killed Will and in an emotional rage defects to the erudite side. That's my third. (laughs) (laughs) My third prediction is Christina briefly becomes a villain in book two after Triss confesses that she killed Will uh, before ultimately rejoining the good guys and sacrificing herself to support the cause. I think she's going to. Okay. Yeah. I definitely think she would have like another about face back. Yeah. If that happened. Uh, I have two more predictions. Oh, you did four. Okay. Yes. Um, So my next prediction is that the erudites will kidnap Caleb and then, like, allow Triss Ooh. to rescue him after he's been quote unquote hijacked with simulation serum a la PETA in Mockingjay. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and then my other uh, kind of similar prediction is that the erudite have some kind of science babble way to reanimate corpses and turn them into zombie soldiers, and they send Triss's parents after her. Ooh, I like that too. I like all these. I like all of them, too. I hope that uh, such interesting things happen <laughs> in the next book. May we be blessed with such interesting times ahead. <laughs> I fear we may not. <laughs> uh, we'll see. All right. Uh, before we get to the final verdict, we want to remind you, you can do us a giant favor by heading over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Goodreads, any of those platforms. Follow us, like us, subscribe, whatever you can do. The main thing we love is that every episode between our main episodes we do. So every other week we do a prequel episode before our next main episode and we get your feedback. We hear what you have to say about the movies and books that we cover. So if you want to share what your thoughts on Divergent, on the book, on the movie, on the changes, on anything we said about any of this stuff, head over to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Goodreads or any of those places Leave us a comment. Katie will put up posts later in the week uh, after you hear this that say, hey, this is the feedback post or whatever. It's like usually the one where Katie picks what she wants and then you you can Mm -hmm. comment anywhere. If you if at any point you comment and say, hey, this is my feedback about Divergent, we'll find it and we'll yeah, we'll put it on the in that uh, in the prequel episode and discuss it. But we love that. So go do all that stuff. Also, you can do us a favor by heading over to iTunes or Stitcher or not iTunes, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you download or listen to our podcast. Drop us a five star rating and a review. We really appreciate that really helps us get out there more. And then the ultimate way you can help us if you would really like is you head over to patreon.com slash this film is lit. Give us two, five or $15 a month. You can do other amounts within that, but those are like our levels. You get access to different stuff at each of those $2. You get early access, uh, ad free, all that kind of stuff. We don't have ads currently, but if we ever did, you would get ad free. Uh, you get an early access usually the night before the episodes go up for everybody else. Uh, and then you also get access to like our book notes and stuff that we mm-hmm. we post other content on Patreon that you get some access to at the $2 level. At the $5 level, you get all that stuff plus bonus episodes. Once a month, we have a bonus episode where we talk about a movie of whatever that we want to that's not related or based on a book. Uh, we recently did Drop Dead Gorgeous. This month, we're doing uh, RRR, the Netflix or the movie that's on Netflix in America, the Indian film uh that we've been i've been wanting to watch forever so we'll be talking about that in june uh and then at the 15 level you get all this stuff plus you get priority recommendations so if there's something you'd really like for us to talk about a movie or book series or you know a book movie adaptation you can subscribe for 15 bucks a month stick around for you know a few months don't just subscribe for a month and then peace out you can but just you know, that's not the idea behind the thing. <laughs> we prefer if, you know, you give us 15 bucks, stick around for a few months and then give your recommendation. And um, yeah, and then we will move it into our schedule as early as we can. So uh, those are all the things over on Patreon. Katie, 
It's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. I've been sitting here struggling with this final verdict. And the reason I'm struggling is that I kind of don't care about either of these. I didn't like either the book or the movie. I thought the book was pretty meh overall. And while the movie made some changes that I thought were positive, it also made others that I didn't agree with. The book's major failing to me is that it's sloppily written. The world building consists of big wild ideas that are resting on a foundation so shaky it barely exists. Aside from Triss, characterization either bounces around or isn't really developed at all. The plot ambles along for three quarters of the book without any real indication of where it's going, until it suddenly starts rushing at breakneck speed towards a conclusion that's still totally shrouded in darkness. And because the source material struggles with those issues, the movie struggles with them as well. Ordinarily, I would say that cutting detail out of a sci-fi property is a bad thing, but I think here it just doesn't matter. The world building and detail in the book don't really do anything to help you understand the world or the story, so why should they be included in the film? In regard to the book's themes and how they're handled in the movie, I want to co-sign what Brian's about to say, but since I don't feel any differently, I don't think I need to repeat it. The book is pretty bad. The movie is also not great. But at the end of the day, a two-hour movie adaptation is obligated to cut some material from a nearly 500-page book. So by numbers alone, the movie has fewer issues. And for that reason, I'll give this one to the movie. Divergent is a deeply mediocre book. It's far too thin on world building, and in a dystopian sci-fi YA novel, I would argue that is the ultimate crime. Apart from Triss and Tobias, the characterizations are weak and bend to the needs of the narrative and our protagonists. The plot has a kernel of promise, but it's held back by world building that renders the messaging muddy as we try to decipher how this society even functions and what the rules even are. Tack on some deeply unsubtle Christian symbolism that ramps up far beyond what I expected at the end of the book, and I'm left with a novel that is just not my tempo. Divergent is a deeply mediocre film. It's still too thin on world building, but it improves slightly by allowing us to visually take in a lot of the stuff that was left unsaid in the book. Again, Triss and Tobias are the only characters that really matter, but Shailene Woodley and Theo James bring solid performances and fairly believable chemistry to the roles. The film gets points for giving Triss's mother a bit more life, aided by Ashley Judd's performance, and Kate Winslet does a great job in her turn as villain, elevating Janine above her book counterpart with a performance that is fun and subtle, despite the character sharing the same paper-thin characterization. The movie only really falters in its depiction of the brutality of the Dauntless and of this post-apocalyptic world in general. In deference to its PG-13 rating, the violence is toned down to almost non-existence, and this choice hamstrings the film's impact. Where the movie really won me over was by making a few smart changes to the climax to give the film a more action-packed conclusion 
and by dropping nearly all of the book's overt proselytizing. The Christian allegory is still there, but it remains subtext as opposed to repeatedly slamming you in the face text. I did not love this book. I did not love this movie. I am divergent and I can't be controlled. <laughs> but in this particular instance, I will cave to the system we have created for our show and say that the movie is better. All right, Katie, what's next? Uh, up next is your birthday episode. Yeah. And we will be talking about your choice, which is James and the Giant Peach. Yes. This is one of my favorite movies as a kid that I don't think I've seen since I was like five. <laughs> <laughs> and so I remember it's one of those movies that I always forget exists. And then I'm like, oh, man, I used to watch that movie all the time mm -hmm. when I was a little kid. And I'm very excited to revisit it. So, all yeah. Right. James and the Giant Peach will be our next episode. In case you're a Divergent fan, don't worry. We're not stopping here. Uh, if you're still sticking around, if you made it through us, you know, not being the <laughs> kindest uh, to a series you enjoy. We will be returning to the Divergent universe. Uh, during our summer series, we like to put some episodes in between to give us more time to read and kind of, you know, cool down so we're not just slamming through all that stuff right away. Um, but we will be returning to Allegiant two episodes, you know, two main episodes from now, right? Or is there two in between? Um... There's just one in between okay. before we get to Insurgent. Oh, yeah. Insurgent, yes, yeah, sorry. So yeah, we, we'll get to that, but we have episodes in between just to kind of space things out a little bit. So yeah, next episode is James and the Giant Peach, but before that, we'll have our prequel episode for James and the Giant Peach, which is when we will discuss all of your feedback and thoughts on Divergent, so make sure you get that in over on social media. And until that time, guys, gals, non-binary pals, Divergent, and everybody else, Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep being awesome.